Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brava Day! Peltor Joy, everybody. I'm Matthew. Hi, I'm Judah. Pel- Peltor Joy. Um, it's week number. Check my notes here. 136. Oh my God. 136 of this fucking project. I don't I mean, know. That's the week that it is. I mean, we might, um, just slight spoiler alert, we might get a 40 point week. It's a possibility. Someone might have 40 points. Yeah, based on initial scores, it is it is technically possible. So, so hold on to know. your hats, everybody. This could be an exciting one. Listen for three I mean, hours to find out if someone got forty points. The average last week was twenty points, so forty would be a big step up. I mean, we haven't had a forty since the yeah, first it's duty. Be a while. I feel like now we've hyped it way the fuck. Up and we're gonna first duty. we're gonna. Um, and it's going to come in at 38 points or whatever. <laughs> we each have deducted like, points. Because <laughs> I often deduct while we're talking. Yeah, you start to read your notes back and, you, and then you're like, yeah, that's no, right. This wasn't, wasn't good. that good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just need to be more positive when I'm writing the notes. Maybe. Maybe I need to write down all the good, like, make sure to write down good things, too. It's hard, though. If you've got it. A- like a good technique for being more positive i would love to hear it. yeah i've never found one not so far yeah i'm uh i'm pretty i'm a pretty negative guy i mean even days. when i'm trying to be pretty open-minded and and stuff it's like i have so many notes i gotta write and they're all about how bad everything is and i ain't got time to write the good things you know like i thought of five better ways they could have done this yeah i gotta write them down right now because i'm they're going on to another scene that i'm gonna have to fucking tear apart Cause it's uh, cause the uh, computer chips look so big. <laughs> Man, big, that was your problem with you that see the big computer, how big chips the computer chips was. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, so many problems. Okay, with the episode one little ship. Um, but um, I feel like current events is uh, gonna be pretty depressing this time around. So we can probably oh, just yeah, leave yeah, it to yeah. mailbag to uh, catch us up on whatever. Yeah, let's slam right into the mailbag. Nobody had nothing to say about Israel or Palestine this week. Okay. On the in this mailbag. Now, lately we have been reading a lot of messages from half in New York. Oh. I'm going to invite all of you if you want political content about the current Israel-Palestine situation, please feel free to check out their mastodon. Okay. And give him a toot. Yeah, toot at him. Toot him up proper. Yeah. I don't know how to do that. Mailbag by Brother Dave. I'm screen. You're not you're not particularly active on uh on Mastodon. But I am screen and I'm very happy I got that username. Oh, it's a good name. That's me. It's a good name for sure. Uh all the way back on October fifth, Ryan wrote 
Man, you can't just secretly space somebody. The ship's radars or whatever they are would immediately pick up on something ejected from the ship. And to which I say, fucking maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think they're called... Sometimes the, com- the computer knows a thing, but waits for you to ask. Yeah, I think they're called turbo radars, so... I think they are turbo radars. Um, That's what they would be called if it was Star Wars. I mean, I think Tasha Yar at one point in season one called something a turbo sensor. And oh, I, that's possible. <laughs> which made me go, <laughs> what the fuck's a turbo sensor? But, um, I don't know, was somebody going to be spaced? Who Who was going to be spaced last week? I don't even remember. Uh, I know we talked about Star Patrol. Or oh, Star Command. Star Command. <laughs> You've yeah. gotten that right, I think, uh, zero times so far. Uh, listen, it's come up I about a dozen up. times in this podcast. I don't think you've ever called it right uh, the correct name the first time. Uh, listen, I loaded and watched part of the trailer during last week's podcast. Yeah. So, uh, it's, I think the problem is the name is so generic that it goes past having easy name recognition value and goes straight into it yes. could be anything. Any of yes, these generic right. names could be the one. Also confuse it sometimes in my mind with that uh, with that other pilot and or TV movie that had a shapeshifter in it around the time DS9 came out, Space Rangers. Yeah, Space Rangers. I think it at least got picked up, didn't it? But not but didn't last long. Yeah, uh, fucking maybe. I don't know. Um I I mean, look, I wonder. I wonder if the ship's radars would pick something up out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the time they're doing shit. First of all, they do shit all the time. They're like, oh, cut power, and then we'll be invisible to sensors. Uh-huh. And it's like, human ain't powered, so. So maybe they wouldn't pick it up. But then they can also pick up life signs sometimes, but sometimes they they can pick up the absence of life signs, and sometimes they can't. It's all, uh, you know, it's Star Trek. It's a make up every week. Week to week, it's a make up And there's an episode where Picard just sits on the bridge and Beverly has the computer read out his vital signs. <laughs> That's right. So. Now that's in an alternate make-believe universe, but still, she felt like the ship should be able to do that. Yeah, yeah, she asked for a reason. So who knows? Uh, maybe it would detect it. Maybe it wouldn't. But I think you're correct that unless you have specifically asked it to alert you, if somebody got spaced, it would not. Yeah, I've never. I mean, I don't know. I. It doesn't really come up. Like, not too many people get blown out into space in Star Trek. No. It happens. It's pretty to, grim. To great effect in that one episode of Babylon Five. Oh, um, the one where, where they Sheridan is prisoners is taken by the aliens. Correct. And he's not spaced, but Ivanova thinks for a minute that he has been because they space all the prisoners. But like, he already fucking stole a ship or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He and that he was uh, getting out of there with um, not Natal. Narn. Yeah, it's Narn. Yeah. I couldn't remember the guy's name. One of them Narns. Um, Jaquan. No, it's not Jaquan. I don't remember his name. Damn it, I gotta watch Babylon 5 again. I should remember that guy's name. He had a sword. He did have a sword. Yeah, it's not Natoth. No. That's a different one. Yeah. It'll come to me. Uh, on the 9th, Ryan wrote, at Brother Date, we didn't so much have a standing date as just we were off and all wanting to play Call of Duty at the same time. A lot of Friday and Saturday nights were spent that way. I mean, well, you don't schedule every aspect of your life so that you don't, for instance, know that this Friday night is a pirate night. Because <laughs> it's helpful to know. I'm not kidding, especially since my brain has gone. Um, it is very helpful to have something on a schedule. Because I wouldn't yeah. remember which when we were doing what. Or um, maybe even, I wouldn't even remember to ask. 
the day would just pass, and I'd be like, I don't know, was I supposed to play Pirates this week? So, um, I mean, there have been times where uh, we have played some Call of Duty, but uh, I've I. Uh, I would jump in if I felt like it was exactly the same as it used to be. And from Ryan's descriptions, it sounds like they've changed a lot of stuff about how it works. Uh, yeah, I think so. Like now it's, I don't know if it's Battle Royale all the time or just sometimes. I don't know if it's, if it's free. Yeah, is Battle Royale is not fun for me. How am I going to go 14 and 12 and think that's a pretty good round? <laughs> that's right. I need to be in a Battle Royale. I just need to get over 500 every time to feel good. And uh, you're yeah. right that a Battle Royale, I got to learn a new way to feel good. And we were just talking about this off air. We're not good at that. Yeah, I, just, I need to get what's true. We're not good at figuring out how to feel good. So <laughs> I think that was on air. That wasn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well... <laughs> I told you my brain's gone. Did I tell you the Red Cross called me again? Yeah. No, no, I mean yeah. since since the time I talked about it. Oh no, they called you they've called you yet again. Yeah. It's uh it's eight fifty one here. Why are they calling me uh, so late? You still have a San Jose area code though, right? Maybe they're Yeah, but they're up. calling me from Nashville because I always donate in Nashville. Nice. Yeah. Mm. They're yeah, desperate. Yeah. They need my blood. Um yeah, so my yeah my brain's going. So anyway. hey, what if they're calling to tell you that they found something in your blood? <laughs> hey, we just got around to testing that blood you gave us last time, and uh, uh, buddy, you got herpes. You got to call everybody you've ever had sexual contact with now and tell them you got herpes. Yeah, they're gonna tell, tell me them they gotta go get tested. Bandai syndrome or um, <sighs> your mind melder. What's uh, what's the Betazoid version? Fucking uh. I almost said Banthi fever. That doesn't sound right. Xanthi fever? I, I don't remember the Betazoid version. Who had that? Oh, you know, they, uh, Luxana when everybody wanted to do kissing on each other. Oh, from Deep Space Nine? Yeah, it was the one that wasn't Sarek, but, you know, they was, they was right. biting Sarek. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I saved the name of that disease anywhere in my brain. Well, anyway, that would have been a better reference if I could have remembered it. Xanth, I'm going to say Xanthi Have you read all of the deep, have you done all of the Deep Space Nine descriptions? Have I done all of them? Uh, no, we, we used to alternate um, where you would do the bookends in the middle one. So you would do, okay, you know, one, three, five, and I would do two, four. And then the next week I would do one, three, five, and you do two, four. And... Okay, so I definitely did some So you of did them some then. of the DS9s early on, but I don't remember well, when we switched to the format. Yeah, especially where, because where, they... That was sounds like they were probably back when they were just just straight up three just series order before we switched to uh... yeah. What happened was I kept getting super distracted during TOS and I was finding it very difficult <laughs> to describe them because they were quite boring. <laughs> yeah. So I, I traded it. you and I said that if you do TOS, I'll always do DS Nine. And at the time, I think we we traded it, so I always did Voyager and Enterprise in ds9 and you always did tng and tos and then that we ended up flipping it around when they started to reduce in number every week <clears throat> a little bit of pod anyway, history i didn't even remember that she had a specific disease i thought she just might have been you know the phase or whatever the fuck yeah nah she had a thing she had a seric she was pretty embarrassed about it too because she did not volunteer it to anybody 
Yeah. Hey, sorry you guys are all kissing on each other. It's my fault. She didn't say that. Do you think if she had called ahead and said that, they would have just been like, we can handle that. We're, we're going to be okay. Oh, probably. They were not prepared for the power of... Uh, uh, wanted to make out with Kira, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Except O'Brien, who just argued with Keiko through a door the whole episode. <laughs> that was... <laughs> that was something. Yeah, it was a dumb episode. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> uh, on the ninth, Ryan wrote, I will second the back pain that comes from hand-washing dishes. I didn't realize it was due to being too tall. I mean, maybe it's not. Yeah. That's that was my spin on it. Yeah, I mean, if you're kind of hunching over because the the sink area, the basin is super low, then that could happen for sure. You guys don't live in tall guy homes, I guess, the way I do. No, our uh, the placement of our towel bars is not abnormal. <laughs> I'll never forget the look on her face; it was haunting. She hated me so much in that moment. Uh, that's rough. That's a rough realization to come to. <laughs> she, if, I know for a fact if we didn't have a kid, that would have been it, dude. That would have been the <laughs> end of it. She hated me so much because of those towel bars. I didn't even install them. No. I just said to the guy, go install these. And I was like doing something in the other room. <laughs> but but I, when I looked at them, I didn't think there was anything weird. Anyway. Yeah, you're like, yep, them's towel bars. Yep, I can put towels on that. That looks good. Ah, that's going to hold towels real good. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how many towels I'm going to hold on those. Those look good. And then, I mean, not too many. Let's not go crazy, but... Then she came know. in and she just fucking... I don't even think I slept that night. Uh, <laughs> Ryan wrote, are you okay now? When you've, you've been to the doctor's office three times this week, <laughs> when you filled out the form, did you did you write that you felt safe in your home? <laughs> it's weird. They didn't ask me about it when I was bringing my son in for his thing. It would have been cool if they did, because then I could have finally told someone the truth. But no, nah, they were just interested in Cyrus. So <clears throat> You're like, listen, the kid's sick, but what is the process if, uh, you don't feel safe <laughs> if I need to report something about myself here that yeah. I don't feel safe? Uh, on the ninth, uh, Ryan wrote, yeah, fuck that nacho cheese can that I suggested he was shooting out of that hot tub. Yeah. It'd be fun. It might shoot around a little bit. And if enough, enough aerosol or whatever flies out of the thing, what are they using those cheese can? What, what, what fires the cheese? Oh, this was like a number 10 can of nacho cheese sauce, so it wouldn't have had shit in it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just a, just a big can. Okay. Uh, on the 10th, Ryan wrote, that's an impressive delay. Both my company and personal phones went off within a second or so of each other. Got pretty loud in the office and really surprising how many people were like, what the fuck is happening? This is when we had the uh, Mm -hmm. national FEMA test. It's true that Uh, I did see a bunch of headlines about how it was going to happen. Yeah. So I was prepared. It is kind of weird that people were not, but I don't know how. Well, I mean, there was like one entire group of crazies who were like, this is going to activate the nanobots in your coronavirus vaccine, <laughs> so yes, you got to turn yes, your phone yes. off and put it out in the car, etc. Man, cetera. if only. Jesus. Love to get some uh, nanobots going. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say no. You, you know how smarter I'd be? There. Those nanobots were so smart, they fucking played so much marches and shit on the Enterprise. You remember that. Yes. And Can uh, they make it? 
can they make it so that I don't get heartburn <clears throat> no more? Oh, I would really like to be able to eat Tybodia's. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Tastes so good, uh, but then spicy, spicy fish and chips that are it's so fucking delicious, but it's but spicy as hell, and it's so much hundred percent heartburn coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be able to eat that later in the day than noon. I'd love to be like, we can't have that today. I slept in. <laughs> That's right. It's too late already. By the time I was hungry, it's like, ah, can't. I want Tybodia, but I can't have it. Yeah, no, that's true. In Star Trek, everyone's like, just put me back the way I was. And I'd be like, fuck <laughs> oh, that. No. I oh, got I'm a, sorry. I got a big list of changes. I'm sorry, the nanites gave me super strength? Yeah, I'm going to keep that and try to take it away from me because now I got super strength. So, Hey, nanites, here, here's one for you. I don't need any body hair. But you know what? You We can go ahead and keep it on my forearms and uh, lower legs just because it'll look weird if I don't have any there. <laughs> That's but right. the rest of it can fucking, it's not doing anything. Don't need it. Thank don't you. Don't need it at all. Does does not serve a purpose in this space future. Thank you. And if you if that's too much, if that's too big an ask, let's just start with the hair in my ass. Just get rid of <laughs> yeah. all of that. Talk don't about useless. That. Talk about useless fucking hair, man. Come on. What am I supposed to be doing with that hair? That that hair is like second chance hair. Like, are you sure you wanted to get rid of this? <laughs> Think about it. I'm just gonna keep some down here for you anyway. You know, you'll figure out whether you want it. Like, you can shave the rest. <laughs> I'm gonna keep this stuff right here, and that way you've always got some, even if you shave the rest of your hair. Okay, right here between your yeah. cheeks. No razor will take care of this. That's problem. right. And fuck that. Fuck that guy. I thought he was so smart. Whoever that guy is, the hair, I guess. Fuck that guy because you can get waxed, man. <laughs> Imagine right. the fucking surprise. <laughs> Thought it was safe here. Nope. Yeah, it's a big surprise for everyone. That's why everyone makes that face when it happens to them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, they go, my hair! That's what happens. Oh, uh, we had a meme coming in from uh, you, currently currently named Purple Beams, Can't Nobody Stop Us. Yeah, I wrote a little song about the uh, Purple Beams. You did, but it's oddly not a bonus item in the feed, so I guess that's just you don't have as much <laughs> no, time no, no, as no, no, you yeah, used to. I, that's never happening again. <laughs> you didn't suggest a, a premise of a song to uh, Magic Cloaks. Say Uncle Mike, but that ain't it. What's his name? Uncle John? Uncle John. That <laughs> <laughs> was very Babylon 5. Drunk again, Uncle Mike? Drunk um, again, Uncle Mike. Yeah. Uh, the, the meme says, wrestling movies, colon, I'm sad and I have something to prove to my dad. And then actual wrestlers, colon, my name is Nutbuster Mike and I don't care if I die. <laughs> that is from 2019, but it uh, someone tweeted again because there's a new wrestling movie coming out that, you know, looks... Uh, it will be sad. Super it dramatic. Has, it must be sad. Yeah, yeah. just so dramatic about tra- uh, trauma and uh, s- uh, psychological problems or whatever. And... Um, but yeah, I like the idea of Nutbuster Mike. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> it does sound like a good one. Uh, you also posted, uh, reposted from at Celebrity Hot Tub, uh, a, a graphic that says 1521. So this is like a Wikipedia is on this day or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pope Leo X, titles King Henry VIII of England, Defender of the Faith. And the tweet says, Happy anniversary to one of history's worst roster moves. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very nice... Nice gesture by the Pope there, calling him Defender of the Faith. But it turned out Henry had uh, some he had some ideas of his own about what the faith was and what it meant. But, yeah, he uh, needed to be allowed to do some certain things. <laughs> yeah, he had and some that situations happen, come up. And, uh, the Pope could go kick rocks. But I, I just love that. He's, yes, Defender of the Faith. That is what he is known as now and forever. 
And I think they still keep that title. I think that's one of the things that you got to say about them. Them monarchs. Maybe. And it's like, uh, which faith? Because the kind of... Kind of did an end run around old Pope Leo. So, <clears throat> uh, anyway, I like the idea the... of that as a roster move. Yeah, the idea that that is a roster that he that the Pope had to no- nominate somebody as defender <laughs> of the faith, and he picked Henry the Eighth. Not that it was a weird political bargain of some kind. Yeah, <clears throat> like I name you defender of the faith, and you say no more English Bibles or something. Right, 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 right. Uh, on the 13th, Ryan wrote uh, Doofy. Um, yep. You enjoyed that. You enjoyed that version of... Uh, I, I had just said these two doofuses, and you said I wrote Doofy. And we don't even have to say who. Anyone who's watched Star Trek, I think will instantaneously know who the two doofuses are. On the 14th, he wrote, so... A three-shift rotation doesn't really allow for weekend coverage, assuming that they work five out of seven days in Starfleet. In manufacturing, which is uh, probably really pretty equivalent to Starfleet, Mm -hmm. if I had to guess, we referred to the four-shift rotation as alternate work schedule. It lets people work an average of 40 hours while covering seven days. Yeah. Well, thank you for the explanation. I just thought, uh, I don't know, old Mangelico thought people got real sleepy. You wanted to shorten those shifts or whatever. I didn't feel like his idea was that there would be four shifts, but only three of them would work on any given day or whatever. Yeah, it I, seemed like he I got just... the idea he was turning it from three per day to four per day. But... Yeah, that was that was my feeling about it, too. But they don't really explain it, and we have never known anything about how work is parceled no. out to people. On no, the, no, no. Once uh, he says something like, I'll, I'll relieve you at 0300 hours or whatever, and you go, what the fuck's happening? Really? Is he really going to do that? What is the schedule? <laughs> okay, let's say they work in the middle of the night or whatever, because I don't care. It's space. Who gives a shit? But, like, why th- oh, 300? That's just a weird one to pick. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, yeah, no. Uh, they give us the idea for sure that Riker's very upset about this idea, but they do not explain why. Nope. Um... Also on the 14th, you retweeted uh, Slug, that's at General Slug, who wrote, Oh, you didn't like my tweet? Why don't you imagine me ruffling your hair while I say it? We're sitting side by side having a plowman's lunch. The weather is temperate, and you feel great fondness for me. (laughs) I like the idea of, now imagine a scenario where you feel great fondness for me as the defense. (laughs) Yes. Uh... Like, I told you I used all the good tweets already. I've just been going back and <laughs> just putting in well, good tweets. I put it in the search bar. What are the good ones? And uh, there's just not a lot out there anymore. I am so far away from this site now that this is not even how I find out that celebrities died anymore. Wait, you got a new uh, hookup for that? <laughs> no, it's not effective. Oh, okay. uh, I found out, for instance, that Suzanne Summers died this weekend uh-huh. because the uh, Reddit all page was just fucking full of her nudes. Oh. <laughs> Well, and it's like normally they don't let they don't post anything from not safe for work work subs on the all page, but they do post not safe for work posts from safe for work subs, which is a weird distinction. Yeah. So it's like normally there ain't naked ladies on there. 
But everyone was just saying uh, R.I.P. to these Sunday big or whatever, or whatever. It was just Suzanne Summers tits and bush all day, and I was like, "What is yeah. happening?" And then I was like, "Oh no, yeah, I think I know what's you happening." You should know. Sure yeah, enough. it's the strongest yeah. tribute there is on the internet. When yeah, she was so. only thirty or whatever. Yeah. Look at these warheads or whatever Look, they were. I saying. mean, I guess that's what she would have wanted. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> a, a true American bush. R.I.P. But that. What that is one hundred percent how I found out that she died. I was oh, like, yeah, well, "What's going on?" I had the traditional experience because I have not yet been chased from this uh, this file platform. <laughs> they keep threatening to make me pay, and I keep saying, "I hope they do," because then I'm then I'll just go yeah, and just, that'll be just it. fucking looking for an excuse. Yeah, I've have been yeah. uh, for like most of this year. So just can you just give me an excuse now? I'm ready to go. I can I can have better use for my time. I've got. Um, Go mow the lawn or something. I could give blood. Shit. (laughs) Are they at least... uh, This is where I'm going to reveal that I do not give blood regularly. Mm. It's been a while since I worked in an office, which was the only place I ever did it. When there was an office blood drive. I mean, it sucks to have Uh, to go to the fucking Red Cross place and do it, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, are they at least open reasonable hours? Or is it like, no, you can actually only do it 9 to 5 during the regular work week. Oh. Uh, No, I think there's weekend availability. But uh, I don't think there's, like, night availability. I think it does shut down at some point around 5 or 6. I don't know when. Um, but, yeah, I, I usually just head over there midday. I do the I do the power red. So okay. They, they take my blood. I didn't realize blood. you had to order it like a fucking Jamba Juice. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And I get all kinds of fucking boosts and shit. And um, <laughs> yeah. they ask me for the boost, and that means I just eat a ton of Excedrin before I go in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, they take my blood, and then they spin it all around, and they separate the red blood cells from the the um, fucking plasma and, and shit. And then they they pump the plasma back into me with some saline, and my lips go numb. Oh, and then well, um, now I want to do it. And then they take the blood again for round two. That's why it's power red. And they do the same thing, and they spin it all out and separate it, and they give me back my good good plasma and some more saline. My lips get numb, and then they send me home. Oh, that actually does sound cool. Maybe I'll schedule one. Yeah, it is pretty neat. Um, it's not quick, though, because, you know, of the processes. So. <clears throat> yeah, I got that much going on. Okay. <laughs> I got free time. But, yeah, it's it's because that saline's so cold. It feels so good when it comes back. They ask me uh, if I've taken any aspirin every time, and sometimes I cannot remember because I eat a lot of Excedrin. Nearly all the time. So, have you started answering no more than usual? <laughs> Maybe that might be a good way to answer it. No, I just lie because I don't. I'm not gonna come back for this. It's <laughs> not gonna hurt. I drove here. I ain't gonna hurt nobody. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, to close out the mailbag on the 15th, Ryan wrote, "I can't believe Peanut Hamper gets multiple Lower Decks episodes." I think we're up to three now. Uh, I haven't seen anything from this season yet. Okay, uh, there's a Peanut Hamper episode this season. I think that makes three. So, I like Peanut Hamper as a character. Yeah, she's a little goblin. Mm-hmm, she's the worst. That's the that's that's just good. Uh, that's good Star Trek. Every TV show with enough characters needs a John Soman. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't know if it would work if it was if it was like there's one protagonist and it's a little goblin. Yeah. But right. It's nice to have them around. Mix it up. 
Um, I'll just continue to say that Lower Decks is uh, it's the best Star Trek. It has been since it came out, and it always will be because uh, all it does is make fun of Star Trek the whole time. Every episode is just, hey, remember when this dumbass thing happened in one of these other piece of crap shows? And uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to that. I think we still got, like, dickety Doctor Who's left, though. Oh, man. I mean, well, good thing the seasons are so short because there's been, like, infinity seasons of that. They're, they're not. I mean, they're short compared to Star Trek seasons, but they're, like, the length of all streaming television seasons. So Oh, now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everything's hella short now. Everyone's a fucking gold breaker. Back in the day, they had to make 26 bad episodes a season. Yes. Well, it's not like they well, make 10 good ones now. I mean, they make they 10 bad ones. two or three now. good ones in there, you know, but. I guess. I mean, maybe every once in a while they'd accidentally hit on something. <laughs> Didn't seem like they were really trying. Well, we did I think it. We've put it. We've put it off as long as we can. Good. Let's not uh, do, put it off any longer, though, because last week we did this for like an hour, and then we got started, and that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So. That sucked. That sucked for real. Yeah. So let's cut the mailbag there and drop into week 136 of our Star Trek project. Uh, we're going to start with Voyager this week, because it scored 12 points last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, they're not good. It's a bad show. Maybe there's... I feel like there's more than 12 in this one, but let's see how many as we discuss Ashes to Ashes. Pew, pew, pew. It's an action scene, everybody. This is a big one. Some little ship is getting fired at by, you know, a bigger ship. And uh, But the little ship escapes, and it sends a distress signal to Voyager. And the pilot's an alien lady. Who's getting some this week? Credits. I imagine <laughs> if it's a lady, someone's, someone on the crew is going to bang her. <clears throat> uh, the little Borg girl. You remember the new Borg kids. Um, yeah, her name's Mazzotti, but don't ask me the names of any of the others because <laughs> I didn't write them down. The little Borg girl responds to the transmission from the alien lady. Why? Why not, these writers say. Because she's fucking around in astrometrics that for some reason this call wasn't rooted to the bridge. Yep, that call specifically went to astrometrics for reasons. Yep. Uh, after some worthless conversation, the girl manages to not properly transfer the call. Uh, Tuvok and Seven come in with a brood of Borg kids. Oh, just all the rest of them. This is Seven's life now. Just managing these four Borg children. Who knows where that baby is, though? She's telling everybody every five minutes she doesn't want to do this no more, but uh, this is her life now. Yeah. Where's that baby? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone know? That's a, they, uh, they already got reunited with its uh, host species. Okay. Its original species. <laughs> anyway, uh, Seven manages to reconnect the signal, and this lady um, really does know everything about Voyager. She knows Tuvork and Janeway and Harry. It's Har- Harry's getting wet. He's the one this week. Yeah. This lady's... Honestly, it's him kind of a lot when you look back on it. It was him the last time a kind of blue-purple alien broad showed up, so... <laughs> but also, don't forget the time his nips went all fucking glowy. Uh, that's the one I was talking about. Oh, okay, was that lady blue? I thought she looked mostly like a human. Was she a blue lady? Fuck, in my memory she was blue, but maybe not. Mm, in my memory she was 90s hot, but... Uh, oh, yeah. We'll have to see. 
Um, anyway, this lady says she's Ensign Ballard. That makes Janeway mad, because Ballard <laughs> died on Stardate whatever. Um, but Harry says he was close to Lindsay Ballard, and he'll know if she's a fake. So It they... makes Janeway mad. She's like, how dare you? And it's like, well... That's no one would do that as a prank. What are you talking about? Why do you think that's a prank or a joke? What do you, she almost said to her, that? "I don't think it's polite to make other people feel stupid." Yeah, and I would have appreciated it if she said that. <laughs> um. Anyway, the backstory on this from from her mouth is that she got hunted good by Herogen years ago. I guess Harry buried her in space. Whoops. Because some aliens got her and they reanimated her. These aliens are the Kobali. He says he buried her in space, but later we learn that she was in a torpedo tube. So it's like, did he take her back to Voyager and they shot her into space? Yeah, because he was or, in a shuttle or something. Yeah. That don't make no sense. It's just weird how personal he says he buried her in space. But it turns out he's got problems, so. Yeah. Uh, anyway, these Kobali, they changed dead people uh, to living Kobali. And they uh, they give them a new life. They got like a new family and a new papa and everything. But they can't go back to their old life. Okay? It's a, like a trill situation. Um, So this lady spent a couple years just playing along. Uh, and then absconded with a shuttle. And uh, came back to Voyager. And Janeway is satisfied for now and gives her a handshake. But Harry feels so bad about tossing this broad into the cosmos. Because... I mean, there she is. Yep. Uh, at a staff meeting, everybody's very gung-ho about this lady. Like, not so gung-ho that they've already let her change into some non-Kobali clothes, but... Nope. I mean, they're not unhappy about her return. They don't put her in a uniform. They don't even put her in one of them lower jumpsuits yet. No. no. This lady's got a list. Like a Robin yeah. Leffler type kind of thing. Uh-huh. She's got a list that she's got... It's stupid. Uh, it's like, shit should be alliterative, but it's not. It's like, it's not Robin's rules or Leffler's laws, nah. but it's like Robin's list or something. And you're like, ah, you left a this, couple on the table. Whatever there. this lady's name is. Her name's Lindsay, so Lindsay's list would be alliterative. She should have gone with that. She should have. Anyway. Seven's a bad mom. She just barks at the kids and tells them to be more efficient and shit. And she makes the two boys, there's twin boys, she makes them go stand in the corner when they're little cheaters. And the older boy says, I hate you, mom. The B-plot this week. Um, Back to Ensign Ballard. She's a slob and Harry's like a neat freak nerd. and they, But they got a thing going. You can tell. And Shmullis gets started on treatments that are going to turn her human again. And this, uh, yeah, weird, weirdly, it's injections. Yeah, I mean, like, not on the inside, but she'll look like a human again. And this is the good shit. Just spray and watch the change happen immediately in front of you. <laughs> uh-huh. It also can fix patches in leather, by the way, <laughs> if you have a little tear in your car seat. <laughs> she, uh, anyway, she's got some issues, though. Like, Neelix the Space Rat's shitty food doesn't taste as good as it used to. And... She accidentally slips into Kobali for a minute in engineering. Everybody looks at her like they are just trying to will her to set on fire and beef it right there again. I imagine they're trying to figure out why the Universal Translator broke. I mean, they looked mad. I couldn't figure out. These dudes and dudettes in engineering suck. So mad to hear a foreign language. (laughs) 
No, this is America. Yeah, <laughs> that was the look that the engineers gave. Uh, Seven talks to Chaco about being a parent. Hold on, let me check again. Yep, that's who she talked to about it. Famous parent Chaco. Not uh-huh. like the Wildman baby's mom, if she's still with us. Or the Wildman baby's real mom, Neelix. No, she talked to Chaco. Okay. Uh, he tells her to ease up or whatever. And when she asks to abandon the kids to somebody else, he says no. Uh, TP mocks Harry for falling for the wrong girl again. And Harry goes to meet Lindsay in sickbay where he finds her looking human, but also like a sloppy looking redhead. <laughs> and she goes to meet the captain for dinner. And Janeway just can't get the replicator to not burn her roast, man. That's the fucking. It's the stupidest scene in a stupid show. The replicator is a little rascal. She could never get it Luckily, right. Luckily, she had a fucking plan B already replicated for some reason. The bread's just sitting there on the table. <laughs> she knew it, man. She knew she wasn't going to be able to tell a computer to make a roast. Uh, anyway, this lady's been, uh, I guess, holding a grudge about being picked for the mission that killed her. She accuses Janeway of sending her red shirt ass down there to beef it so her friends would be safe and then she repeats some Kabali propaganda and freaks out and leaves um for some reason my my zoom popped up right in front of my fucking screen it wouldn't go away um uh then uh you know she has a fucking nightmare that we have to watch about the crew yeah and her funeral and shit it's one of these nightmares where we don't see her go to bed and get into bed nah, and go to sleep. And just then the, the nightmare scene. happens. She just like, she leaves Janeway's quarters and you could reasonably believe she got in a turbo lift and then the nightmare starts stepping out of the fucking turbo lift. Yeah, I don't know why you would even do that. Like, it's not even smart filmmaking. That's just purposely confusing. Anyway, she goes to, to see Harry Kim in the night. To complain about her bad day. And Harry Kim is very sensitive about this and chooses this moment to confess that he's always been in love with her or whatever. Oh. It's fine though, because of the writers, she seems into it. So, yeah. <clears throat> they get down. I assume. I don't know. The next time we see her, she's just sitting on the ground. They may, who knows if they did it? They just do one kiss and we don't see nobody putting their boots back yeah, on. So that's it's what I'm possible saying. that they didn't get at it, but it's like. It sucks either way. Yep. Seven goes in to check on the kids, and they're they're doing a fucking sculpting class. What is this, the Enterprise? Um, she doesn't immediately destroy this little girl for sculpting her face instead of a geometric shape, so I guess Chaco solved it for her. Yeah. <laughs> That's the B-plot. Fucking unbelievable. That's the B-plot. <clears throat> the Gobali come to retrieve their uh, their lady. Uh, this guy on this Kobali ship says he's her dad, and he just wants to talk to her. Kobali dad, you know? like Yeah, and then Seven cuts in and says, hey, listen, what am I going to do about these Borg? You're a dad. What am I going to do about <laughs> these Borg kids? And then he goes, sort of. <laughs> be great. I'm sort of. She wasn't a kid. It'd be great if she tried to get some advice from that guy. Uh, this guy explains that most people don't really remember their former lives after, uh, lives after being reanimated, but she did, so that was unlucky. Um... He says, you aren't a fucking human anymore. You're Kobali. And he goes, purple people. I remember when he did that. And then um, she walks out on that conversation. And the guy says he's going to fight for her. And he's going to bring a whole posse and shit. Um, 
in the mess hall with Harry, this lady admits she doesn't even remember her real dad. Professor who? Does what now? Oh, my dad. Yeah, no, I don't know him. Oh, the guy with the same last name as me? Yeah, I don't know him at all. <clears throat> then the injection smallest gave her start to go bad or something. I don't know. The Kobali attack, and shit looks bad, but uh, Lindsay agrees to give herself up and return home. She wants to go, man, because she's really Kobali now. She and Harry say goodbye, and then Harry hangs out with a little bored girl in a scene that must be disturbing if you're watching from across that mess hall. Yeah. But boy, does it tie these two plot lines together expertly. (laughs) And that's the end. All right, man. Fire Choco up. Let's see what he's got to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, Something yeah. new, I hope. Are you interpreting all the symbols? <laughs> I Searching your trying. subconscious for their meaning? I'm trying. Yeah, the, same, the same question. I'm same trying. question as always. I'm trying, Jennifer. Uh, that's not the hard part of this one. This is a straight, pretty straight up and down, you can't go home again mm-hmm. message. Like, yeah. And which, by the way, happens once in a while in a Star Trek, but yeah. not that often. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, not one they beat over the head. It's not um, uh, a, a painful truth. No. Et cetera, et cetera. Or even be careful what you wish for, which we've had to, we've had to give us the take a million times already. Yeah, that does come up sometimes. Um, this, is, this is an idea that has a lot of currency in our culture. This you can't go home again idea. Yeah. But... Um, but it's a real so what of an idea. Mm-hmm. Like the downside of not realizing this is pretty much always mild disappointment that things aren't as you expected them to be. Yeah, like that fucking Leola root shit doesn't taste as uh, average as it did before. And then also, everyone knows this already. Yeah. Like, this is a thing that when you hear it, you immediately understand what it means and you go, oh, yeah. Yeah, but it's like. And we're always changing. Yeah, yeah. And it's but and it, it does not bother me to say. Yes. This isn't love. You don't want to talk about it. Um, it well, also, it is it is a common expression and it's also not true. It's a real, <laughs> it depends. I love the ones that Star Trek uses that. Are really it just depends on the situation. Like, uh-huh, yeah. yeah, okay, we all change and we all become different, and sometimes you can't go home because everyone's cool about it. This is the plot <laughs> of every sitcoms uh, has a fifth season episode where there's a high school reunion. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so it's kind of a so what for me. I, I was happy that I didn't have to think about it, but that's uh, true. It's just actually. a three. Yeah. Boy, I wonder if I have to give it an extra point because it was very easy. Because I, <laughs> I also had you can't go home again. Um, I had to dig a little bit for the other two this week. There's a lot of themes in the TNG. Yeah, and there's no, there aren't even themes in the little ship. <laughs> so I had <laughs> what to do you dig. Mean? The computer chips to... were so big. <laughs> what are you talking about? There were themes. These are both. Those are both episodes where I watched them. And then just sat on him overnight trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Oh, right? that sounds like, like this, depressing, depressing time. I, I, I fucking wrote You Can't Go Home Again, <laughs> like, maybe three quarters of the way through this one when it was yeah, clear yeah, they yeah. Weren't gonna, there wasn't going to be a sudden twist. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a three for me. Okay. Yeah, well, I had You Can't Go Home Again, and I gave it a three. So uh, <laughs> I guess we're... <laughs> 
guess we agreed. I said time and experiences change you, and you can't be the person you were before, even if you go back to the old hood and old friends or whatever. Thanks for that, Star Trek. And I said, I mean, she could just come back and be part of the crew as, like, a slightly different person. But nah, if she can't be Lindsay Ballard exactly as she was three years yeah. ago, then she can't do it at all. Yeah, and as fucking usual, no one has any good advice for her that's no. like, listen, it's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. You could build your new life here, too. Yep. That would be just fine. Or you can I go mean, back to your weird it, adult dad. It almost happens because there is a scene when Harry Kim tells her, stop taking the treatments. Yeah. Like, just just let yourself be Kobali, but you could still be here, and we could still do it. We can still do sex sometimes. I don't care. I don't even care what kind of species you are. I just want to do sex. I'll rub on you somewhere. It don't matter. Dad, maybe you can tell me, did the Kobali glow at all when they do sex? Yeah. Because I actually haven't been able to turn that off. I still glow. Yeah. Like, Is it going to freak you out? (laughs) I'm hoping you glow too. I don't want to be the only one. If my nipples occasionally shoot static electricity at you. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to touch them unless you're pretty well grounded, actually. Yeah. I have a I do have a series of wristbands all sort of all around my quarters, though, anti-static wristband. <laughs> uh, how do you think it did execution-wise? Uh, okay, so anyway, like I said, I don't really agree with the take. I think it depends. Uh, I also don't believe it's well-intentioned or smart, right? Like, we're all different than we were three years ago. Some more dramatically different, but that doesn't mean you can't see the same old people in old places if they don't hold it against you and vice versa. Anyway, this was 40 minutes of whatever. Yeah. They work very hard to give this lady a personality and backstory, and you know it's a waste of time from moment one. It's a crew member we never met before. It's a crush of Harry's that he's never mentioned. A species we never met. It's a real filler week on Voyager, if there ever was one. And then I watched the DS9, and I was like, no, this is a filler week. Um, <laughs> and we watched a nightmare? We did. Not your best work, Voyager. Not your worst, because you're Voyager, but not your best work. I gave it a three. Uh, well, I liked it even less. Oh, well, you know what? Actually, this is... You're, you're not wrong. Um, I have a few problems with this episode. Uh, this woman was Harry Kim's best friend since the Academy <laughs> and went with him to Voyager, to Voyager and spent three years in the gamma. In the she Delta made it all the way to Herogen times. Uh-huh. Never saw her. We fucking never saw her. And instead, his best friend was down and out fucking Tom Paris, who was the only one who would even talk to him. Yeah. Yep. That's a lot to swallow. That's a big ask. Mm-hmm. This is not Lower Decks, where there's a thousand people on that ship, and there's all kinds of ensigns we don't know nothing about all the time walking around, and it's just like, ah, here's a, here's a few ensigns. Oh, and by the way, you know one of them from the first duty. That's right. Yeah, here, here's one you know. But yeah, these are noobs. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not, it's, that's a lot. Yeah. Then, even if that were somehow true, they cast an actress for this who is, like way more lively and active than the usual Voyager background and even featured actors. Like <laughs> I was going to say. She, she hits this episode with, like, Gilmore Girls energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't know what show this was at all, for right. sure. She didn't know she's supposed uh, to act like Chaco. And that makes it even harder to believe that we've never seen her, <laughs> that we didn't see her the three years that she was on there. Because, like, I mean, I re- we all remember Sonia Gomez. She did. She had two episodes, and she spilled a hot chocolate yeah. on Captain Picard. Her nervous energy like, lasted exactly. Yeah, we would have, um, we would have known this woman if she was around. Mm-hmm. 
the B plot is Seven learns to lighten up. Yeah. And features real sub Wildman grade child acting. That's what I forgot to put in the execution score was the terrible B plot. Terrible. Uh, It's impossible to care about. All it did for me was instill a kind of cold dread that we're going to keep seeing these little (laughs) shit. That's what I said when they showed up. I said, "Uh uh-oh. I really hope. I don't remember, but I really hope this isn't Seven's whole deal from here on out. Right. Just these fucking kids. And I'm in uncharted territory. Like, I knew that they reoccurred. That yeah. these children occurred, a, I don't, but I don't really know how many times. Me and either. I really I disliked remember. seeing them again so soon. I've seen this whole fucking show. Maybe twice. I don't know. But yeah. um, I have no memory of how much they show up, and I am also very worried about it. Because Seven then, was the only part of the show that works even sometimes. Yes. So it's not good to burden her with these children. Yeah. Um, And then, although they didn't really intend it, this dumb shit episode also serves as a prime example of the toxic Hollywood idea that if you just wait it out long enough and catch her at the right time, yeah, the woman you have a big crush on is going to come around. That's right. Harry kisses this lady when she is practically catatonic, Yeah, is in the middle of a truly science fiction level existential crisis, <laughs> yep. and is desperately looking for any way back into an old life that yeah. she is already starting to realize is impossible for her. Yes, yeah. Like I said, so, she really picked a spot. <laughs> in a couple of weeks, back on the Kobali homeworld or whatever, Jetleya is going to remember that actually Harry Kim is kind of a creep. He's kind of a piece now of shit. Now that I think about it, yeah. that sucked what he did. Yeah. And like, I mean, I didn't fight him about it, but like, man, I was vulnerable right at that moment and I did not need that. Yep. Absolutely. She will be right. Uh, plus, it's a minus two for a dream sequence that could very easily have been omitted. Yeah, it was like nothing. She could have said, I've been having nightmares or like, there's enough without that. We get it. Yeah. So um, it does. It did drop all the way to a one because of that dream <laughs> sequence. That is a deduction. Yep. So I was going to say I liked it less than you, but then I remembered that actually it was a one for me because of a deduction. So yes. we're still kind if of I, a step yes, on this one. If I had the deductions, I would also have given it a one. <clears throat> All right. Uh, a world building. Yeah, well, it's going to start with a question, which you know is good news. Yep. Are Ferengi limericks composed by Ferengi? Mm. Or limericks about Ferengi? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think they're composed by Ferengi because... Um, why would Voyager know any of them? Why would Harry Kim have a handle the, these, on that? Harry Kim met the only Ferengi that humans have cordial relations with at all. <laughs> on his way out and uh got a ton of got a ton of limericks from quark i guess i guess on the so, way yeah. there yeah um but the word ferengi feels pretty hard to work into the usual limerick meter <laughs> um i like there was a ferengi from whatever. but then it's got to be one syllable yeah you can't say ferenginar which is where yeah. it'd be from probably you could just say galt i guess you could you know just make just to make them up Maybe maybe a Ferengi from Galt by itself is a hilarious concept. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You got to be locked into the very specific racism of the 24th century. That's right. Really I don't. I, you know, it's, it's hard to believe that by now I don't have that totally. I don't have a complete <laughs> handle on that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if if that idea by itself is hilarious. 
Anyway, I don't really expect the Kobali to come back except in Star Trek Online, so it's hard to say how much world building was done here. Uh-huh. I guess Voyager is still doing torpedo burials, so it must not be the casings that they were running short on. Yeah. So, um, sure. I mean, I gave it a, I gave it a one and I could see a zero. I guess we're giving it a one then because I gave it a one and said I could see a zero. Okay. We're really in lockstep <laughs> on this one. The only reason we're not the same is because of the automatic deductions. Yeah. Um, which I think everything, is a very sound policy, but I understand. Everything about the Kobali, what they are and what they do, and man, not much else. Janeway still can't use a replicator? They strenuously avoid getting into any philosophical conversation about what the Kobali do. Yeah. And what it means. Yep. <clears throat> Yeah, Jay, we can't use a replicator. Continue. That's it. No, that was all. I don't know. Okay, it's a one. <laughs> it's a one for Alien of the Week trash that we're never going to see again. Uh, dumb scene. Character, yeah. Well, I don't understand. I've really, every time in TNG when someone uses a replicator, when it's not broken, they just mm-hmm. say the thing they want and it appears. Yep. But Janeway can all know how to do it. Janeway does it weird. She did it weird where the replicator fucking surprised her with the second course too early when she had Chakotay over so they could point phasers at each other. And um, It's a great episode. I remember coming out of that episode with a lot of respect for both of them. Um, All right, characterization. Harry just, um, he just misses love yet again. Just can't quite get it right. Had a thing for a chick who died, and he buried her in space. There should have been an episode about that trauma, but nah, man. This is just a make up just for this episode. Anyway, the girl gets away in the end, and lucky her. Because as we discussed, Harry Kim's a creep. Seven has trouble being a good mom this week. I was afraid that would be her role on this show moving forward, and it seems like the fears are confirmed. It's okay, though, because Chaco's there to help her out. Uh, Janeway is in this more than the other characters, but doesn't do anything interesting. Nope. Otherwise, it's Little League. Everyone's in it. No one does nothing. Uh, I gave it a three. Wow. This is... If not for my mandatory deduction, we would have scored it identically. Yeah. Uh, Seven thinks kids needs disciplines, but everyone else knows better. She only got this parenting assignment because of racism. So uh-huh. I don't know if it should be surprising that she's bad at it. <laughs> You're Borg. They're Borg. You get it. So you get it. Uh, but the Borg aren't actually, like, they're not really a race. Like, they we're all from different planets and stuff. And we just got abducted for a certain amount of time. No, 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 no. That's not what's important about you. You got nanoprobes in there? All right. So I'll get in there. You got a weird little metal comma over your eye? Mm-hmm. That's, uh, That's what I wanted to hear. All right, you're aboard then. Janeway, um, Janeway has never invited Harry Kim to dinner, <laughs> even though, but even though that's his space mom, that is his space mom. She's uh, she's very withholding. Uh huh. Um, but her dinners are unhinged anyway. Also, don't ever go to Chicote with a problem. He thinks everything is like a learning opportunity, and he will not help you. No, he won't give you like a real solution. He'll just turn it around and be like, "Hey, what do you think, though?" <laughs> hmm? that sounds like a problem. I'm sorry. Thanks, I wasn't, thanks, idiot. Wasn't paying attention. I was, uh, 
I was fighting my fears. I, uh, literally fighting really, them, boxing them in my mind. Also, I've been really twisted up lately. Every time I turn my head, I think I'm going to see a moon. And it's like, I don't, but I'm really worried it's going to be there. Um, I guess the main character work is Harry Kim, and he's all twisted up about a woman he secretly loved, then let go of, then got back, and confessed to, who then voluntarily left him. <laughs> So, I mean, and right away. So here's, If this were Riker, we'd be deal. keeping track for next week to see what's going on. <laughs> yes, here's the deal on this one. If Harry Kim spends all of next week just throwing a tennis ball against the wall of his quarters, I'll give that episode a bunch <laughs> of character points. But I have to believe he's going to be normal again. Nope, they won't ever talk about this lady just like they never did before. That was it. Yeah. <clears throat> no, I think you're right. If not for STO, you could just pull this straight out of the cannon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I don't think it matters. Well, and honestly, I never had any problem figuring out what was going on in STO, even though I never saw this episode. Yeah. They they tell you quite a bit about it, and then Jelaya herself shows up and explains what happened in yeah. the in the episode where Harry Kim the Harry Kim from this universe, not the current Harry Kim. Sure. Yeah, not Harry has Kim been turned too. into one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I'll do something with that body. It's a good body just floating around out there. Yeah, it's perfectly good, man. That guy just suffocated to death in space. It's like yeah, no. he didn't even have a disease or nothing. It doesn't have no cracks in it or nothing. Yeah. Okay. Quick hitters, do you want some? Yeah, go for it. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, thank God this parenting argument between Seven and Tuvok ended before Tuvok told Seven to make the kids run laps. He was thinking about it. He was about to do it. I saw him raise his hand like he was about to say something, and then she just walked out. He doesn't know the rules about ex-Borgs if you can make an eight-year-old run laps. Dang, man, you can make an eight-year-old do fucking uh, calculus. You can make him run laps. Yeah. Oh, you could make a Vulcan kid run laps, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's there's no question about that. Hey, man, uh, seven and nine would have gotten along with our dad. Did you look at that fake school schedule she whipped up for the Borg buddies? <laughs> he was weird, huh? We had a weird dad. Why was he making up fake school schedules? What's happening? He was making up fake school schedules <laughs> for, like, fucking crazy Catholic boarding schools. Why? Where you had four hours of Latin on Wednesday <laughs> and then three three hours of Greek on Thursday. But, but like, no math. He didn't care about math. <laughs> this is a fantasy. <laughs> You might have geometry for an hour a week or something. Like I, I get the obvious answer is he wanted to make a list and like he just needed another idea for a list. But like, I just it's such a weird it's, one. It's just so sad. He was so bad at computers that he never got around to figuring out spreadsheets. Oh my god! Be- because he would have loved them. Yeah, man, he'd love fucking Excel and Google Sheets and fucking all yeah. them shits. Yeah, too bad. R.I.P. Um. Uh, plus, his deal was brunette, so he probably wouldn't have been too leery. Is that you think? Is that <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't necessarily know that that's how char- that that's how people's characteristics worked and their their personality types. But I'm I'll put it together. I'm gonna. I'm. I think you're right. I'm just saying. I think you know he wouldn't have been too creepy with her. That's okay. all. All right. Do you think 
the Lindsay Ballard went in for her human injection. And when Schmollis asked what kind of hair she wanted, she just shouted Reba at him. <laughs> yeah, well, one time she found a wig in a dumpster. <laughs> yeah. And went on a wild adventure. And she just wants to relive that if she can. Maybe they're that'll make new... her life worth living again. Yeah, they're the new Bonnie and Clyde. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm Reba. <clears throat> um, What happened here? Did Jinwei replicate a bunch of bread and peanut butter and jelly? Because she knew the replicator was going to ruin the pot roast somehow? Mm. How do we understand this little bit? Yeah. She yes. has bread in a special dumb bread box with so much air in it, it that the bread <laughs> is going to get stale, she even if it's got a pretty good seal. She doesn't care. She's going to put it right back in the replicator after this. Yeah. You could just lay all those bread pieces out on the table. It don't matter. She doesn't then turn to the replicator and say sandwiches. She's just like, no, well, grab a couple own. of slices of bread that are already on the table. It's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's how bad I she eat. is at replicator, man. She can't even ask the replicator to make sandwiches. She just, she's like, uh, what do we need for that? Bread? Make bread. Uh, I'm going to need some other things. Can you also make things to put on the bread? <laughs> These fucking Borg twins, man. In their geometry slash pottery class. Uh-huh. They make these little cubes that are four and a half, maybe five inches on the side. And then they, to my face, say that they're one one thousandth the size of a Borg vessel. <laughs> Nuh-uh. No. Nuh-uh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I looked at those and I said, well, that's not right. <laughs> she should have unless, punished them. Unless for that. the Borg got some mini cubes somewhere. Oh, fuck. I don't know. Maybe they do. Who knows? But like. But um, yeah, not that main type. Not the one we're used to. What was the scale when we used to build destroyers? One seven hundredth. One seven hundredth scale, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they were longer than those cubes. A destroyer. <laughs> those were a little, no way. They made some pretty small cubes for sure. These fucking things aren't even a th- one one thousandth the length of Voyager. <laughs> um, I hadn't thought about it because I did not care about that scene at all. But yes, you are correct. No, I just immediately went nope. And it's even, they just say one one thousandth the size. They don't actually say one one thousandth scale. Well, they for sure ain't one one thousandth volume, because that would be ten by ten by ten. Uh, yeah. Yep. That's no go. Anyway, I guess the Universal Translator knows when to stay out of it and let her slip into Kobali, huh? Because it yeah. translates for her Kobali dad <laughs> just fine, so it ain't yeah. a language problem. Yep, yeah, I mean, I don't know why you even felt the need to say that, but yeah. I mean, it always does that. It always does that. If someone wants to speak in a foreign language, they just think hard enough about it, and they do it. This was probably, like, the big feature that was touted when it went from Universal Translator 3 to Universal Translator 4. <laughs> sometimes like, you can now speak it'll in sometimes a language. sometimes let you speak a language if it knows you're doing it for emphasis. Yep. That's how it works. So you can so say only a varul. That's right. <laughs> so America doesn't say only a fucker would use such language in public. So did that sound like fucker? I was trying to say fucker. Only a fucker. <laughs> Um, it'd be cool if the universal translator worked like if you held your hand in a certain shape that would be like escaping yeah like escape quotes and it would let you speak your real language for a minute yeah but you know they didn't give even one fucking second of thought to how it works fucking a no can't believe we're talking this this much about this third rail not on this dumb show for idiots for sure no uh, I didn't see anything to this effect, but at this point I wrote, this actress has real red for the part of Kess energy. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. For sure. Oh yeah, she was eating some bugs up. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I could see it. 
Or going through I the thought... elogium. <laughs> exactly. Getting her feet all rubbed up. Yeah. All the Kess stuff. I thought Tuvok had a whole bunch of countermeasures lined up for these fuckers, but they whip Voyager's ass. Yeah, he he's like, I studied that shuttle, and based on that, I'm going to be a-okay. And then the ships show up, and they, yeah, you're right, they whip Voyager's ass hella bad. So. Even though they look like some shit out of Wing Commander. They're <laughs> yeah, not good-looking ships. They don't was, look powerful. Are you talking about the Exeter or whatever? Is that what came out? I mean, I guess maybe. Maybe they were attacked by the, uh... Are they some Draymond-class sports? Oh, could be. Is that what you're, is that what you're thinking? They're called transport um, wrote, sports, guys. They do. That's a deep universe. That's got a lot of world building in it. And then I wrote, hey, that kid is eight, Harry, back off. Um, Thank you. I also did not like it. Uh, I give best actor to Jet Leia's dad, Kret, and worst actor to Pick Your Borg Buddy. Mm. I thought Kret looked like, he's some other actor, he wasn't nobody, but I thought he looked like a mix of Red Foreman and <laughs> Brian Cranston. <laughs> Plus a lot of alien makeup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but both those guys have real dad energy for me, so I was into it. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, look. He, they said, you're going to play this adult lady's dad, but you adopted her two years ago. Like, we need to find the right we need to find the right guy for this. And I think they did okay. I think he, he can play adopted an adult lady two years ago pretty well. All right. Uh, I, my only note was worst actor candidate Harry Kim, as always. We can't just let them take her. It was such a weird line reading where his voice went high, but there was no emotion in it. It was super weird. I got the feeling it was his ninth take. <laughs> and they just said, fuck it. Who cares? You know what? I think we got it. I think we got it, Garrett. We only got to make it uh, 30 more episodes, everybody. Only 30 more episodes of Garrett. <laughs> we can do this. I assume they, uh, they weren't making it past season seven. Why would they? No, no, no. Dog, can you imagine if Voyager had gotten an eighth season somehow? Uh, I'm so glad it didn't happen because how depressing would this project be in season eight? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, we've reached the end of TNG and now it's just Voyager from here on out. We really would have to come up with a system for how to award wins when they're playing alone. But Yeah. I've proposed one. I just don't think it'll come into play. I mean... I don't think there's... I mean, maybe the Ro, the Rolaren one, possibly, but uh, most of them are going to be pretty trash, so... All right. That's Second one. place last week was Deep Space Nine. Ooh. So now let's talk about One Little Ship. The Defiant is doing science. The war feels very far away. <laughs> I guess they have to... I, don't, I couldn't figure it out. Do they have to shrink down to do this science in the Anomaly? Or does the Anomaly itself shrink them down? The Anomaly shrinks them down. It's a subspace, subspace compression anomaly. Okay, well anyway, this Anomaly they're studying is going to shrink them down or whatever. So 
the Shrinkadink team is uh, Bashir, O'Brien, and Dax. That's they're gonna be doing the science. But as the mission begins and they fucking fly into this fucking thing, the Jemadar snore out of nowhere and blast it a fine good. And then they board them. Credits. Dax, O'Brien, and Bashir are all shrunk down, and the runabout got hella messed up by the firefight too, getting all yanked around by a tractor beam and shit. So they're working on fixing their ship. Meanwhile, the Jemadar first and his uh, his second, they got some major beef. The second is an elder, and he's I guess this is his last mission. I think I, think I would put him back in the replicator after this or something. What's the deal? That's a good question. We haven't heard much about Jemadar retirement. Well, this would have been the time to talk about what that means, but they chose not to. Anyway, his last mission. He's from the original fucking brood of Gamma Quadrant Jemadars. Uh, but the first, he's a noob. He's from here in the Alpha Quadrant. And this matters to them both. For yeah. reasons that aren't well explained. <laughs> They've got racism like two neighboring European countries have for each other. Yeah, like uh, like people from Luxembourg are just mad, so mad at people from uh, the fucking Netherlands or whatever. Yeah, and you, God help you if you say, I don't know, you guys seem pretty similar to me. Aren't you guys all just the low countries? What difference does it make? Oh, man, I want to say that to someone from Luxembourg so bad. Um. Anyway, they're fighting for glory in front of the Vorta and shit. It's... Anyway, um, Worf is a petulant turd in the lockdown mess hall. But the second comes in and retrieves Cisco to uh, go see the first. Uh, on the runabout, they realize they never unshrunk, and they they're gonna fly all up in the Defiant to try to get someone's attention because the comms aren't working or whatever. Yeah, at this point, they don't know that nothing went wrong on there. Nope. They look up and they see the Defiant. I guess they don't. Uh, that whatever the other Jemadar ship. I guess they already fucked off. They can't see them. Uh, the first wants to employ Cisco to speed up the repairs on the ship because they're going to steal the Defiant and take it home. The second says, don't trust this guy. He's going to be so full of fucking tricks. But Cisco does some very Kirk-like and obvious reverse psychology and the first goes forward with his plan to use the bridge crew to help them repair the warp drive. And then in the turbo lift, Cisco gets the second to tell him all about the Alphas. These Alpha Quadrant dudes. Um, there's some stuff where the little runabout's gonna get burned to a crisp inside the impulse manifold or something. That's nothing. Then they observe the bridge crew at work, and they, I guess they figure out that they're actually trying to divert main control of the ship down to engineering. They're, the Jemadar are uh, none the wiser that they're doing this surreptitious plan. <clears throat> and then they zoom around the ship for the rest of the fucking episode. <laughs> Just zipping around everywhere, using all the special effects budget. And I guess aiding Cisco and friends while Cisco plays the two Jemadar against each other. What do you want me to say about this, man? They didn't just use all the special effects budget. They shot this episode before the last one, but it aired after because it took so long to do all the special effects. <laughs> I fucking believe it. It's nothing but special effects. They go inside a fucking computer and walk around a bunch of big old microchips and shit. It's heinous. Uh, but they do help get control uh, to, to the crew in engineering. The whole time in engineering, they're just trying to pull one over on the Jemadar. Everybody gets rounded up by the second. Uh, anyway, the Jemadar are about to go to warp. They're going to steal this fucker, and it's going to blow up the ship because of the virus that the bridge crew planted. 
So as soon as it goes to warp one, the ship will blow up. But then the little runabout starts a big firefight. There's fucking photons of dude right in the chest and shit. And um, the bridge crew, they take back the ship. And then back on Deep Space Nine, many TOS jokes are had. <laughs> Everyone has a great time, and the war feels very far away. I'm sorry if that wasn't the most detailed explanation, but I did not want to describe every little thing that the crew on the runabout did and every little thing that the engineering crew did because all it was was trying to trick the Jem'Hadar and zipping around the ship. So you probably want to know what I think that episode is yeah, about. Well, yeah, are you interpreting the signs? Yeah, here's the, here's the takeaway I have from that episode. Mm. Be careful not to buy into your own hype. That's that alpha? Yeah, someone told his name is Kudakaton. <laughs> I don't think anyone terrible. says it, but terrible. that's what his name is. That he was born and bred for the Alpha Quadrant, mm. and it made him an arrogant racist, so he doesn't listen to advice. He's doing away with the usual rituals. Mm-hmm. He's going to prove he's as good as everyone says, and it gets them all killed. Yeah. But okay, so what? Sure. Don't shit the bed is a pretty boring message. So, I gave it a three. Okay. I had. It's not the size of the dog in the fight, man. Ah, yeah. In this case, a physically shrunken crew become big heroes. They should have put that in the ad. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the also the crew in engineering's outnumbered, and uh, but that don't matter because they got, they got that dog in them, man. Yeah. I mean, I guess as a take, I'm gonna give that as much as a three, but almost it really doesn't feel earned. I have a feeling, based on the way you described this episode, that this is where we're going to start to drift on this episode. Please tell me how it scored an execution. Uh, Another embarrassing defeat by one of our hero crews. Just getting their ass whipped right in the beginning. But then the Jem'Hadar become embarrassingly petty and incompetent, so I guess that's just going around this week. Then we get the adventures of the magic fucking school bus just zipping around and doing shenanigans. Think how much FX budget they spent on this piece of dog shit. Yeah, man, this is why they had to shoot the whole uh, last week's episode just in the back lot. Just in the New York City set. Uh, This episode is tonally kind of a wild ride. It's pure TOS, except all the times that they say they're going to murder everybody. I guess that happened on TOS, too. Like, I will kill your crew or whatever. But it's yeah, like I feel a, like an android threatened to do that to the crew quite a bit. Yeah, so it's pure TOS, but it isn't the campy 1960s, so what's their excuse, man? They didn't want to shoot Deep Space Nine anymore. <laughs> they just did one about the 1950s, and now they're doing this. I don't know, man. I did not think it was a winner, and I gave it one point. I could not find anything valuable in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is actually where we have drifted apart. <laughs> you, liked, you liked one little ship? Uh, yeah, so first of all, this wasn't that bad an episode I wrote. Uh-oh. <laughs> the main Gamma Gem Hadar had Captain Dathon energy, and I liked that. Mm. The little ship looked way better than I thought it would. <laughs> there wasn't anything really awful about this one I wrote. <laughs> but there were some ways to make this better. 
for instance, the group Bashir and O'Brien, because they think we like those two together. Mm. But putting fresh war ensign Nog in a plot with the seasoned chief O'Brien would have allowed them to parallel the Alpha Gamma half of the story. Oh, that's a good point. Like yeah, maybe O'Brien Nog could have been nominally in charge, but listens to Chief O'Brien, etc. You see how that could work. Yeah, and they could have put someone else on that fucking runabout, Kira or yeah, someone, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Also, I have no idea how unusual this magic shrinking nebula really is. Sure. They hand wave it about compression at the top, and no one seems really blown away by it. No, Brian seems worried, but everyone else is pretty blah. Yeah, but it also it's cutting edge enough that they might be able to use it as a tactical advantage against the Dominion? Uh, something about subspace corridors or something. I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. Like, sure, it's a ridiculous premise, and they have Kira laugh about how silly it is in the teaser but they kind of forget that it has to be real in the universe and that these people need to have like a consistent understanding of whether this is weird or not. <laughs> yep. Anyway, like I said, it wasn't really a tough watch. There's probably 80 worse Deep Space Nines to watch. Okay. No. Well, we don't know where we're apart. Yeah, it happens. It happens because I wretched when I saw those microchips. <laughs> You didn't want to participate on that Nickelodeon game show set? <laughs> I mean, that did that was pretty reminiscent of a Nickelodeon set. You, they should have yeah. slid down one of those chips. Should have knocked yeah, it over and climbed up it or something. Dig through a bunch of fake snot to find a flag. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. Okay. Well, world building, then. I mean, they got nebulas that shrink you down now, man. And mm-hmm. also, Alpha Jem'Hadar. Uh-huh. I gave it two for that. I had those two points and gave it a two. And I said lots of techno babble also. So much techno babble. The entire yeah, episode. If I, now that I'm pretty confident I've understood correctly which episode scored which from your initial roundup, I think all of the difference in our point score was in execution. Okay. Well, we'll see. But anyway, it was, um, yeah, a two for me. There wasn't. I mean, yeah, you can get mad small out there. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Remember when she uh, she bumped into the con- into the panel to open the door? She bumped yeah, the about into it. She nosed it twice. Doot, doot. Um, but it did look like it went way too fast when it did that. It definitely oh, looked yeah, like it would have crumpled up the front of that ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nah, it was fine. Um, I mean, they got structural integrity fields and shit. Maybe she really bumped it with like a force field that we don't. It's just close to the ship. Oh, maybe. Also, I like I have to push that button twice to open the door. How aggravating. Um, and when you have to push button, hold on. Oh, do you get a screenshot or something? Fifty-one. You have to just tap fifty-one on there. Fifty-one twice. twice. If you want to open the door, push fifty-one twice. Tap fifty-one oh, is that, twice. Is that all doors? Nope. Just what that do the one. other nine buttons on the pad do? Oh, do shit. I don't know. I open the door. What else am I going to do with it? It's a door. I don't know. They do door magic. Who the fuck? All right, knows? but if I like want to get off the bridge, I just hit fifty-one. It's not fifty-one on the bridge. Well, what am I supposed to do with this then? <laughs> What is it on the bridge? 187. Well, that's I I don't have a mnemonic for that. How am I going to figure this out? Man, Rascal should have had a scene where they fucking beamed aboard. The guy got over to Picard's ready room, looked at the door panel, <laughs> and was just like, what do I do? Even their most regular functions are encoded. These truly are smart people. Even to open the door, it requires a secret code. Um, characterization. 
Yeah, let's have it. Everything Cisco did on the bridge with those Jem'Hadar was so Kirk, especially the way his trans his transparent delivery could have fooled nobody. <laughs> when he's playing them against each other. But I mean, they fell for it, just like a TOS episode. It's very nice. I mean, one of them fell for it, and the other one kept saying, I can't believe you're falling for it. But then that way, he fell for it. He fell for it also. <laughs> by By taunting the other guy about falling for it. Uh, I don't know. Everyone was competent and confident. Just Starfleet working on a prison escape plan while some of the crew go on a big adventure. Wait, was this actually just an old TOS script now that I think about it? Yeah, Maybe this was the yeah. animated series or something? Because... It's too long. What There's I way ju- too much stuff happening in this to be a <laughs> TAS script. What I just described sounded like one. Uh, Quark and Odo are just outwardly best friends now. Just for everyone to see. Yeah, this week. They just fucking pal around and make jokes. I give it a four. Yeah, I give it a four, too. Um, This is like... This is about the fifth or sixth time where Cisco tries to get close to an individual Jem'Hadar, and they just refuse to betray anyone. Yeah. Maybe that's why he doesn't push that hard on it this week. Yeah, because he does always try. He always goes for that, and it never works. And you, we already talked about why. On their planet, whatever it is, or however they work, in their culture, there is no fortunate son. It is not going to work. <laughs> that's right. They Until they have that, you should just play that for them. You should say, computer, play fortunate son, and then let that sink in for a bit, and then make he the sh- play. He shouldn't have to say it. It's, he should. It should be programmed into the fucking computer <laughs> that as Jem'Hadar soon as they detect a Jem'Hadar life sign aboard, it starts playing Fortunate Son. <laughs> yeah, man, those, that opening fucking guitars thing, and you're just like, they're fucking Jem'Hadar on board. That's okay, we're already working on them. That will have them <laughs> incapacitated by nightfall. Psychological warfare. <laughs> uh, O'Brien continues to be the least enlightened guy in Starfleet mm. with his perpetual worry about being small. This oh, week. that's true. I meant to say everyone was competent and confident, except for Miles O'Brien. Yeah, who's like, I don't know, man. I can't, listen, I can't afford to shrink even an eighth of an inch. <laughs> don't don't look into it. Don't ask me why. But this week, I have a, a sudden short man syndrome that's yep. coming out of nowhere. And then also when he's walking around those microchips, he basically just has a big emotional fucking breakdown. Oh, yeah, he does. He, he does not handle that well at all. Yeah, so everyone accepts he, him. Yeah. Like, if Worf is saying, what's wrong with being small, you gotta stop and think, maybe I have some work to do. Worf doesn't usually <laughs> score too many points. It's true, Worf sucks. If even he's making a good point, just think about it, man. But then it kind of turns out that Julian isn't any better, because at the end, he's in just as big a hurry to get to the infirmary and confirm that he's still five foot nine or whatever. Oh, yeah, when that lady stands up and she's, like, a taller lady? <laughs> uh-huh. That fucking blows his fucking That mind. lady has a name, but I fucking ain't written it down. That character has a name. She's in a bunch of these things. Klaxka. Let's call her Klaxka. Uh, and then I looked it up. It turns out that uh, Alexander Siddig lists at six foot zero, as do so, Odo and Dax. So they all five ten. It's a fairly tall cast if you buy their stats. Colm Except lists at five. For possibly 11. Dax might be six one. Yeah, <laughs> she might have to list it lower. It's weirdly different for tall ladies. Yeah. Uh... Is there anyone else with character work this week? I don't think so. No, it's a romp, but um, character-wise, no one really sucked. That wasn't the big problem this week. So no. I, I gave it a four. Okay. All right, quick ones. Yeah. Uh, wait 
Oh man, wait until Kira finds out about the Rick Moranis movies. She is gonna <laughs> oh, pee man. her pants laughing. It's true. And it's her, exactly her jam. And her pants are tucked into her boots. Yuck. That's true. That's it's gonna, gonna run right into her boots. A big problem. I don't know why. I didn't know why it was funny the first time, but Worf reporting that they are getting smaller made me laugh exactly the same as when he reported it is changing color. <laughs> <laughs> it was an important notification. I wonder if they did that on purpose. Nah, they probably didn't remember that. Hey, man, how lucky. I know the wormhole aliens are on his side. How lucky is Cisco? Captured by the most fractured, easy to exploit group of Jem'Hadar on either side of the wormhole. Yep, that's true, he man. He fucking falls right into a stage play about racism. Hey, man, if you guys, if this was what you had, what you had in mind. When you made another group of Jem'Hadar, then congratulations. But if not, you should probably just space all of them, because yeah. this is a big problem. Um, And then I wrote, fuck yeah, these guys beamed right into a Nickelodeon game show set. <laughs> then I wrote, I wonder if it's a war crime to deploy a photon torpedo against an individual soldier. Just straight into his fucking chest, man. Yeah. Anyway, I bet Admiral Ross has a field day with these reports when they come in. <laughs> yeah, then the uh, then the Yangtze Kian or whatever. I don't remember which one it was. The just, Rubicon. Okay, then the Rubicon just fucking uh, just fucking zipped around, just blasting Jem'Hadar's left and right. Man, you know they're gonna they're gonna try to come up with a way to do that all the time. Oh yeah, I mean this episode accidentally in, invented uh, like micro drone warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, but they'll use uh, they'll use those things they call fighters. Probably they'll probably shrink those down. Ah, yeah, shit. Better than runabouts, you know. That would be cool. Don't tell the team at Star Trek Online that are all looking for work. Are they all looking for work? Yeah, something like thirty of them posted they were open to work on LinkedIn on Monday. <laughs> Ain't good. Damn, hey, good for that. Man, like a month of people playing other games. That was it, huh? Nah, it's the fucking the weird company Embracer that bought them last year. Oh, uh, just finally uh, getting around to giving everyone the axe. No, nah, they just like they bought way too many companies, and debt's not cheap anymore. Mm. Uh, and they they've like shuttered a bunch of studios, and it, it uh, now it's not looking that good for Cryptic. So, well, that'd be a good excuse to never play that game again. Yeah. Oh, it's like Twitter, Twitter yeah, and STO. Like <laughs> Just give me a reason. I gave best actor to Ixtana Rocks. That was the uh, Gamma Quadrant guy. Sure. And worst actor to his Vorta, Gelmon. Oh, man. When he first popped up, I was like, can that, is that going to be Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop, Pop? Can that be Iggy well, Pop it again? Nah, it's just some other guy. They were, it, couldn't afford to get Iggy Pop twice. No. We could have used his weird John Wayne voice again. It would have been nice. Uh, maybe, nah, because it couldn't have been the same Ferengi. one he's been captured. I was going to say, maybe he'd recognize Nog, but nah, it would be one of the clones or something. It would be a clone, for sure. Okay, here's what I got. Hey, um, why does everybody on the Bridge of the Defiant use the console that's cattywampus from their seat? <laughs> everybody is hunched over trying to reach panels like they're typing at a keyboard behind their main keyboard. And I don't yep. understand why. Literally all of them do this. It's, it's very bad. So Elkar sucks. We, that's the kind of the main thing we talk about. We've talked about it a bunch already today. 
But why don't they sit at the chairs that are next to the consoles they need to use? Why do they they sit three feet away from the console they need to use? I don't... uh, Man, go back and watch if you didn't notice. They are all hunched trying to reach a diagonal panel that is far from them. I can't figure it out. I ain't watching this ever again. Come on. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can find a YouTube clip. Then maybe it'll have some insane subtitles in it. Yeah, let me know if there's a ding or anything. Okay. Um, I missed. I can't believe you missed that, too, when he did that Disney ding. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about this, but by the way, in the Voyager episode, when the call got rooted th- to the lab, she was trying to reach some... The button to transfer this thing to Captain Janeway was seven feet in the air, and she was trying to get up on a panel to reach it, and that's how she hung up on her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. She badly transferred that call. Little girl shouldn't be allowed to do that. Um, Nana Visitor's terrible, exaggerated laugh makes me hateful in my heart every time she does it. It's very bad. She's a better actor than that. She should come up with a better laugh. Well, uh, she's one of those people who in real life just has a weird laugh. I'll, I'll never know. I don't know what she's like in real life. I ain't going to one of those conventions. What if her actor's secret is that Kira is one of those people who has a weird uh, laugh? Well, that would be very smart, then. That's smart. Dang, man. They hovered directly in front of that Jem'Hadar's face for several seconds. So he, close. He never seen him, man. <laughs> when they zipped was, away, he thought maybe he saw something, but he wasn't sure. Crazy. Like uh, like a guard in Skyrim or Starfield. Yeah, you just crouch down right in front of him. stealth meter finally goes back and goes, oh, he's gone now. <laughs> You're just standing right in front of him. They do need to work on stealth in those games. I know they want to make it fun and not shitty. And if you did it stealth right, it would just be shitty. Like, we just yeah. couldn't use stealth, basically. Well, there's also, in Starfield particularly, stealth is unlocked behind a bunch of power uh, yep. stuff. So. And it is just power up. It's just like, I'm better at stealth now, so now I can literally be in front of the guy. Just sitting there, doing nothing. Um, But it is, it's pretty embarrassing sometimes. I mean, there have been times in this game. I got. I'm using the um, mantis helmet that lets me go invisible. Ah, yeah, it's got chameleon. It's got chameleon, and uh, there have been times where I've been shooting guys and they have not reacted. They're getting hit by bullets, and they don't react at all. They just stand there, and I go. It should not matter whether they can see me. They should be reacting to getting shot. I keep running into a weird bug where. Um three starborn ships will jump in to ambush me when I jump to a system, mm-hmm. but only one of them will become active. And mm. after I blow him up, the other two just sit there until I waste them. <laughs> just float dead in space. Don't do nothing. Don't say nothing. See, there's only actually one crew and they had those other ships come in as backup ships, yeah. but then they, they died with the first ship. So it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. That's it for me. That's two down. Yeah, all right, cool. Well, the winner last week was uh, TNG, a rare win for a part one with uh, Chain of Command part one. Yeah. This week we're going to talk about Chain of Command part two. After the recap, we start with a drugged up Picard being interrogated by Gull Madred who seems to want to know the Federation's defense plans for Minos Corva, which Picard claims not to know. He increases the serum level and begins questioning him again, and we go to credits. Afterwards on the Enterprise, 
Jellicoe gives a captain's log, explaining that negotiations have not been going well, and he believes a military conflict is inevitable. Gullamek comes in and claims that the three Enterprise officers launched a brutal assault on Seltris Three and killed, quote, 55 women, 55 children, 55 men, 110 gettles, 110 voles, 55 bajorans, 55 taskbar, and 110 cokes. After Lamech storms out, Jellicoe admits there is a possibility that the crew was captured on Seltris 3, but he sends Riker off in a shuttlecraft to the designated rendezvous to pick up anyone who may have escaped. Still yeah. with me? Yeah, I'm here. Meanwhile, Picard is marched into Gomadred's office, and he demands to see a neutral representative per some treaty. Madred tells him they have already requested one, and removes his restraints. They talk a little bit about archaeology the looted burial vaults of the first Habitian civilization. Sure. And the poverty brought on by the war. They trade barbs for a minute, and then Madrid again asks him about the defenses of Minos Corva, and Picard again says he doesn't know. And, um, Gil Madrid doesn't like that, and he has him stripped of his clothing, rank, and name, and chained to a hoist with his arms above his head. Yeah, man, he rips open his outfit with a special knife. He does. It's special. It's got, a, it's got a fancy stone in there, and now Picard can see why it's so highly valued, and I thought, I don't think that makes sense. I, I Seriously, when he said that, I went, wait, did he just cut his little outfit? I mean, any knife could do that. I don't get yeah. it. Please explain. <laughs> anyway, Riker has returned to the Enterprise with Worf and Crusher. They do like a 10-second debrief with Jellicoe and then walk right out of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Riker, of course, wants to start planning a rescue mission, but Jellicoe tells him to let Picard go. Uh, Madrid comes back into the torture room and tells Picard, good morning, has him let down, and starts asking him how many lights he sees. There are four spotlights, Picard tells him so, but Go Madrid insists there are five. Then he tells Picard he's had him implanted with a device that can cause pain in any part of Picard's body, and he hits Mm -hmm. him with the lowest setting, which drops Picard to his knees. Picard insists he knows nothing about Minos Corva, and Galmadred says he believes him, but what he actually asked was how many lights he sees, and Picard repeats that there are four lights and gets another shock. Yeah. Back on the Enterprise, uh, Lamech shows... Angelico and everybody, etc. A recording of Picard's drugged interrogation and threatens to execute him as a terrorist since the Federation isn't going to acknowledge that he was acting under orders unless the Federation agrees to withdraw from this sector in the next seven hours. Right. Riker and Angelico get into a screaming match about whether he's whether Angelico is treating Picard's life as a bargaining chip at the table and Jellico relieves him of duty. Uh, off screen, I guess, Jellico tells Data to put on the red uniform. Yeah. Or maybe he fucking already did behind the scenes. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I, I said last time, from minute one, he's trying to find a way to get Data as his first officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as the first thing he asked, Data didn't respond. I guess I'll think about I guess I'll try like Riker does every time he's like yeah the first time Data said yeah we can do that he's like all right he's like you're the guy guy. yeah um and then he uh, the two of them and Jordy huddle up in the ready room Data suggests that the entire Theta band setup may have been a ruse specifically to get Picard and then Jellicoe figures and they may be planning an attack in this sector Let's um, 
he sends Jordy to run a discreet scan of the Cardassian ship to try and work out where they've been lately, mm-hmm. figure out where the attack might fall. Back in the torture room, Madrid brings his daughter to, um, I guess, a real fucked up version of Take Your Daughter to Work Day. <laughs> and he tells her that humans don't love their children, etc. And then she leaves the room. He's given Picard half a bathrobe so he doesn't have to explain old man junk to her. <laughs> Picard and Madrid have an argument about whether it's right to expose a child to suffering, and uh, it spills over into sort of a philosophical discussion about what value the military occupation of Cardassia has served. And it's back to the lights routine and the pain pad. Yeah. Jordy has found evidence that Gullamek's ship, the Reklar or something? I have yep, forgotten. It is the Reklar. Might have been hiding in the McAllister Nebula. Which is inside Cardassian space, but apparently is named the McAllister Nebula. It's still, well, that'll always be the McAllister Nebula to these guys. Yeah. And just uh, uh, that also doesn't stop them from going right up to it and doing shenanigans inside of it. <laughs> the fact that it's in Cardassian space. Uh, this thing is just 11 light years from Minos Corva, and we, um, which the uh, Cardassians tried to annex during the war. So, Jellico has data set course for Minos Corva, but that's not where they end up, so don't worry about it. Yeah, that's not it. <laughs> we also changed their mind that... off screen again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We also learned that there's something like a 72-hour clock on the Cardassian attack because of this nebula, but that doesn't make enough sense to worry about in detail, because I don't know how he knows that the Cardassians are in there currently. Um, Gomadred congratulates Picard on his stubbornness and tells him he can go, but... There's too much time left in the episode for that to be true, so it's no real surprise when he tells Picard, we'll get what we need from the human female, and yeah, then Picard I mean, he's, turns, turns he's, around and sits in the chair again. Yeah, he's as obvious about this as Cisco is on the bridge. The way he waits until Picard's got one foot out the door and goes, I guess we'll just have to get what we need from the human mm-hmm. female. And it's like, okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. Jellico wants to hit the Cardassian fleet that he believes is operating in the nebula. So he has Worf work up some magnetic mines, and he has Geordi prep a shuttle uh, to deliver them. Everyone at the table thinks this is a big gamble, but not, I guess not because they're breaching Cardassia territory or anything. They just say a bunch of mealy mouth stuff about what if they're there on a scientific operation. Yeah. But uh, his mind's made up. Starfleet's already approved it. Uh, Golamek. Nope, that's wrong. Golmadred gives Picard a gross living egg, and Picard sucks it down. Yeah. Madred. He tells Picard uh, about his little urchin street gang on the streets of Lakot when he was six years old, and Picard tells him, that's cool. I'm glad you said that. That's how I'm going to see you from now on as a powerless <laughs> six-year-old boy. He does point it out to him pretty much right away. Yeah. And that Gomadre he really stepped in it. Yeah. Gomadre doesn't like that. He doesn't like it when Picard starts singing Sur le Pont d'Avignon under torture either. Mm-hmm. So he's uh, he's kind of lost control of this whole thing. No, I don't get the feeling he's very good at this, actually. Yeah. Picard doesn't really pull any crazy shit on him or anything. This guy just kind of gives the game away over and over again. No, he doesn't. He doesn't like Madrid doesn't say stuff like he keeps shedding his pants. I don't get it. (laughs) It seems honestly, I think he's doing it on purpose. (laughs) 
Uh, Jellico comes to check in on the shuttle and uh, to chat with Jordy about being a shuttle pilot and working, doing the Jovian run. And they talk about how hard it's going to be to do this mine laying because they won't be able to use their sensors, etc., etc. And anyway, long story short, Jordy tells him the man he really wants is Commander Riker. Yeah. Well, in the next scene, Jellico goes to see Riker, who is flipping backwards through some kind of encyclopedia. <laughs> he, um, Jellico makes a vague pretense toward friendliness by asking about Riker's trombone. And then asks him if he's aware of the mind laying plan. And Riker says he is. And also he's aware that Jellico's been talking to every pilot on board. <laughs> so I know exactly why you're here and I have all the power. Yeah, Riker 100% rebuffs any attempt at friendliness on Jellico's part at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. Jellico then tells Riker he doesn't like him, but everyone says he's the best pilot on the ship. And Riker says he doesn't like him either, but he agrees to pilot the shuttle. Yeah. Well, you know, they're all professionals here. Riker and Jordy head into the nebula. They have a close call with a Cardassian ship. We don't see they didn't they don't show us a Cardassian ship inside the nebula at any point. That would be two special effects, and that ain't what we're doing this week. Right. Um and then they emerge and report a successful mission. And before the shuttle even fucking docks, presumably Lamech is on the Reclar just looking at the shuttle come out of the nebula <laughs> when Jellico calls and says Every single one of your ships has a big mine on your belly. And here's a blow up a little one to prove the point. And then he demands that they leave the nebula one at a time and inject their primary phaser coils. And as an afterthought, he demands Picard's release also. Yep. In Gulmadred's office, uh, Picard is trying to destroy the pain remote, which was probably left out on the table for exactly that reason. When Madrid comes in and tells him, oh, well, the Enterprise has been destroyed and Minos Corvus fallen, so we don't need any more information from you, but I'm going to keep torturing you. Unless you tell me how many goddamn lights there are up there. Yeah. And before Picard can answer, uh, Gullamek comes in. He's disgusted by the whole scene and he takes Picard away. And as soon as Picard realizes he's going home, he defiantly spits that there are four lights at Madrid. Yeah. Then some time passes, I guess. We sure. see Picard take command of the Enterprise again on the bridge. Jellico goes back to the Cairo. Picard Man, it would gives be crazy if a bunch of time did not pass. If they were like six <laughs> hours later, they were like, it's your ship again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they don't explicitly say that time has passed, but there are some subtle indications like data's back in mustard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Picard nods at Troy, who goes with him to his ready room, but Picard doesn't even know where to start talking about this fucking thing. Troy says yeah. she's read the report, and Picard says he didn't put one part in, that he really thought he could see five lights at the end, and he was gonna say it, that he would've yeah. told him anything to stop the torture. End of episode. Matthew, what's this one about? Alright. <clears throat> I guess Picard's analysis of torture? That it's not an effective means of extracting information, it's ultimately self-defeating, and it's a wonder anybody does it anymore? I mean, that's, say all of those things. That's the Roddenberry pre 9-11 view in big bold letters, right? Yeah, these guys didn't know about the show 24 that was coming down the fucking <laughs> pipe. Yeah, they didn't know about 9-11. Because then later you get fucking Archer and Janeway and everybody just out there gouging Doing dudes' mock eyes executions out. executions and all kinds and of fucking shit. Fucking yeah. shoving plastic bags over their heads. So, I mean, this is something. Even if maybe he overstates his case, I give it a six. Okay, I'm going to be a little contrarian here. Okay. This episode is full of themes. Yes. Torture is not reliable for interrogation. 
peace and spirituality may not nourish the body, but they do nourish the soul. Hmm. What happens? How do you handle it when you have to ask your least favorite coworker for something? <laughs> um, but ultimately, I think what this episode teaches us is that authoritarians value their own authority over any other aim. Hmm. Madrid has no motivation to break Picard other than to convince himself that his ways are the best ways. Yeah. He is pitted against a man who represents the success that a free and peaceful culture can attain. The sort of opposite of the Cardassian state, but they're doing real good. Yeah. And um, and the same sort of idea about authority is present in um, 1984, from which this was obviously lifted. Right. The party has no use for Winston. They need nothing from him, but their policy is to break everyone totally before they execute them. So there can be no opposition to their rule, even in secret. Right. Also, there's a watered-down parallel for this with Jellico and Riker, too. It's um, it's not the slowness of changing to four shifts or failing to report a probe launch that causes him to sideline Riker. It's when he starts questioning his decisions. Mm-hmm. He cannot tolerate dissent, and he uh, installs Yes Man Data as his XO. Yeah, and Data, by the way, barely in the episode, thank goodness. Yeah. So anyway, it's an insight, but... um. Like I said, it's explicit in 1984, one of the most well-known and well-read works on authoritarianism, so it's not doing particular work here. I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, Execution. (sighs) Last week, the stuff on Enterprise was interesting, and the commando raid was not. Right. This week, the stuff in the interrogation room is much more interesting than what's happening on Enterprise, Mm -hmm. even if it is Jellicoe's plan to mine the ships that ultimately saves the day for both plots. Yeah. Obviously, Patrick Stewart and David Warner doing a little black box theater play is more compelling than Ronnie Cox and Jonathan Frakes yelling at each other in a conference room. Oh, God, yeah. Even though David Warner didn't have time to learn his lines and was reading from cue cards. <laughs> Sometimes, obviously. <laughs> um, they want to give the rest of the Enterprise crew one last objection to Jellicoe's plan, so they set up a real dumb conference room scene where Geordi says maybe that fleet is in the McAllister Nebula doing scientific research. <laughs> Placing all these mines is too risky. And that falls flat. This is, a ra- this is a raid into Cardassian space to lay mines. That should be enough of an objection. Yeah. All Jellicoe wants to do is beat the Cardassians to the punch, right? He wants to become... He wants to do the raid that they're trying to prevent the Cardassians from doing, essentially. Yep. But no, they need to put real mush-mouth objections into everybody's mouth. So it's not a perfect episode, but still, the problem this week definitely is an execution. I give it a seven. Okay. Um, My turn to ask a third real question. Shouldn't Troy know if what the Cardis are saying about Picard's team is true? Yeah. She doesn't have any idea. She doesn't say nothing. Um, Well, Shima could listen. She was not willing to say that Riker didn't are that lady. (laughs) No. Not even a little. No. So she ex- you know, she basically explicitly said that she was not going to say that. If these uh, chodes just told Lamech that Picard wiped out fifty people. Yeah. That's true. Um some of the music in this episode is almost TOS level drama. <laughs> they do go big at certain points. As we discussed last week, how did these two doofs climb up 500 meters up that rock face without the Cardis catching them? You know, the ones that are barely in the episode, Crusher and Ward. Yeah, even if you accept that they were each carrying half a mile of rope. (laughs) uh, I mean, it's not like a third of a mile, but you know what I mean. 
it is wild to assume that these guys climbed back up that wall. Takardi's going to just sat under him shooting at will. It doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. I love that they didn't want to pay another actor to play like another Cardassian with lines. So, of course, it's Gullamek himself who comes to collect Picard. Yes. He hasn't had enough of a day already. Um, If Picard had been captured off screen before episode one started and we got two full episodes of him and uh, who I started calling D-War going at it. Yeah, it's a better episode, huh? That could have really been something. Um... Overall, I like both plots. I like Jellicoe and Riker clashing and how all that resolves. I like Picard and Warner clashing and how all that resolves. I even like the wrap-up with Troy. So I do think it's an effective episode. But there are a lot of puzzling moments, and things do seem to wrap up rather quickly on my 50th viewing of this episode. Uh-huh. I just think it could have been stronger all around. I gave it a 6. No, we're not too far off there. Uh, world building. Uh, the Cardi seem to have a decent truth serum thing going on. In the beginning, he's just uh, catatonic, telling them whatever they ask. Uh, Minos Corva is what this was all about, I guess. They really want that system. Yeah, at the end of the day, it turns out <coughs> Nicheyev's analysis on this was 100% correct. The Cardassians were going to attack a single system and hope that the Federation wasn't going to go to war about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, it turns out that she was correct about her analysis, and Jellicoe was the right man for the job, despite the fact that they are bad guys. And that is a very TNG way to do this. It is. They didn't have to beat Jellicoe and Necheyev to win the day, like the crew of the Enterprise. They had to actually eat a bunch of shit and just do what the guy said, and then they won the day. (laughs) Yes, there's a thing here. Like, I I really meant it when I said that Jellicoe is a watered-down version of Madrid. Yeah. That they that their attitudes about authority are the same, but in his plot, he's right and he wins. Yes. Yep. Um, Cardassian propaganda about the Picard team's mission. David Warner says a shit ton about Cardassia, but he's kind of a liar, so I don't know what's true and what isn't. Yeah, it's true. The Saldanus Four Convention, or as Frakes calls it, the Solanus Convention. He does say Solanus. <laughs> This nasty little nebula that eats up hulls for snack time. I don't really understand why they needed to mine them so good if they had to come out of there in a minute anyway. But anyway, they did. They kept, the whole time they're like, they're on a clock. They got to come out of that nebula or their hulls are going to give way. But also, let's put some mines on them. Yeah, but I guess they would have come out shooting pew 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 at Enterprise if yeah, it wasn't maybe. for the mines, right? Another Cardi fleet outmaneuvered by a single Federation starship. I gave it a three. So a three for me also. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I just wrote various treaties and conventions Picard tries to invoke. Uh, mm-hmm. Mines being used in a sensible and believable way for once. Yep. The Jovian run and Titan's turn. Oh, yeah. The Cardassians really were planning an attack on Federation space at this point. Yep. You know, this was the last episode that aired before Emissary. Ah, okay. Uh, I was trying to figure that out. Marjan asked why the Cardassians looked slightly different. And I was like, well, they hadn't done too many Cardi ones yet. I, said, I told her I didn't even know whether DS9 had started at this point yet. So, Chain of Command 1 is the first time you end up seeing on screen the new Cardassian uniforms, as opposed to the big padded leather ones. <laughs> the, the ones made out of someone's fucking sofa that those idiots have to yep. walk around in. 
just creaking down the fucking hall, squeaking away. Ugh. Those guys were great. Uh, I loved those guys. Yeah. I loved short squat guy and tall skinny guy. Those guys were my fucking favorite. So it's a three for me. In terms of characterization, um, so now Riker is apparently a master pilot. Best on the ship. Mm. Like, it doesn't not make sense. He kind of has evolved into a dumb flyboy character over the seasons. Yeah. It's just something we've basically never seen. No. He's he not the one who flies figures a out. Yeah, he's not the one who figures out that it's a culvert starburst or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. He crashes a shuttle in power play. He flies the charting mission in the Outcast. Picard has him docked the saucer section in Farpoint. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I guess that's canon now. Yeah. Jordy has a little bit of a scene about who's the best shuttle pilot. Otherwise, the main thing that happens on Enterprise is that dumb conference room scene about mining the ships. But this is a big Picard show, and Picard is big in this one. Yeah, he is. He pities Madrid. He warns him that his daughter's going to one day turn on him. Mm-hmm. He knows about Cardassia's peaceful history and laments what they've become. He tells Troy he would have said anything to stop the torture, and he believed he saw five lights at the end. Um, it's very much on point, and it's very much sort of the Picard you want to see this this week. Yeah. Like, this is how you want Picard to behave in this circumstance, so I'm giving it a six for characterization, even though, you know, most of the Enterprise crew don't got nothing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is the main problem, is there are a lot of the main cast just not doing much at all. On the, on the Enterprise plot, everything seems to go to Jellico. I mean, obviously, he confronts Riker, but Riker's such a petulant little shit the whole time. But anyway, um, I said, dang, man, the dynamic duo of Geordi and Data works so much better than Troy and Data. They figured that shit out about defense plans for this sector in like 10 seconds. Yeah, Picard didn't have time to brief Jellico on the Dream Team. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Then Jordy goes to that back panel on the bridge, and Jellico comes and looks over his shoulder and goes, I don't know, what do you think? And Jordy's like, I don't know, Minos Corpa? And he's like, ah, that sounds good. They like, figure everything out so quick together. <laughs> yeah, those three working together do get to the fucking bottom of it right away, don't they? <laughs> like, I actually came out of that thinking, why isn't Jordy the first officer? Like, I know he's not as well, much of a yes man, but, like, he's clearly the most competent person on the ship again this week. Well, Jellico didn't have time to review, you know, the result of uh, Arsenal of Freedom or anything like that, or he would have fucking put him right in charge. Yeah. Uh, that guy, Jellico, yelled at my dad, and I hate him for that. <laughs> I hated it when he yelled at my dad. Yeah, but our, but my dad got such a good smug comeback when he was sitting in his quarters. It's true. Later on, it was much better. But when he yelled at my dad, I stood up and I said, You don't yell at my dad! Uh, Picard's got hella advice about kids for D-War. That don't make no sense. What does he know about kids? Um, yeah, that's true. He's a real Sheridan in this one, just having to whip this guy's ass every chance he gets, no matter how many extra tortures it gets him. I'd be like, huh? How many lights? Uh, I don't, I don't know how many you think there are, sir. Listen, sister, I don't care. There's six lights or eight. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> five? Yeah, okay. I see five lights. Like, don't zap me for no reason, man. I don't care about this part of the interrogation. Save my zapping for the important stuff. But nah, Picard's got to beat him psychologically. Let's save this for the part where I tell you once again that I don't know nothing about the defenses (laughs) of Minos Corva. Like, I might even just do a make up on that one. I might start making stuff up about Minos Corva. Like, I don't care. I'm going to try to avoid getting zapped. That's the idea about torture, right? Yeah. 
is, a, is the, in the reality of the situation. By the way, this is all undercut by the fact that I think Picard is being tortured for a grand total of about 20 hours. If you look at the yeah. timeline. Yep. Like, there is a point in this episode that didn't make much sense where Lamech comes in and says, 14 hours ago, a Federation strike force killed 50 people. Oh, like, yeah, that is confusing. 14 hours? You go, Wait a minute. That's how long it's been? Wait a minute. Why is he all... Picard looks like he's been there for weeks, man. So Picard does a real good job holding off David Warner, but, like, maximum of two, three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying, that wouldn't be me. I'd say, whatever. <laughs> Not to get zapped, you know? All the lights. Who cares? Yeah. Fucking thanks for lunch, too. Like, this egg was very delicious. Thank you. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to get zapped. Typical fucking Picard. If there's no one around to call him on it, he's always trading something that's important for something that is not. That's right. Exactly right. That's how we ended up with that artificial heart, man. Yeah. Riker says, jazz. And Jellica goes, ah. And ah definitely means fucking, of course it's jazz. Yes, classical, contemporary. Like, please, fucking God, let this guy play don't, don't modern say jazz. music that nobody understands in an orchestra. But no, please don't he's, say not, jazz. he's not the first trombone on the Enterprise's shitty little orchestra. <laughs> jazz. No. Oh, goes, yeah. no. Ah. That ah. ah was so familiar. That's what I would have said, too. Um... Uh, Crusher, Wharf, and Data are all in this one too, but don't do much. And I, uh, I ended up giving it a five because only, only Picard and Jellico really do anything in this. Yep. Uh, quick hitters. Marjan's note: Why did Riker give up the game like that and ask about Picard's well-being? My answer: oh, yeah, he, was, he did not do a good job in the interrogation parts. The only thing that makes sense is Frakes misplayed it, like the actor. He must have meant to play it like, who cares about posturing and who cares about Jellico? I need to know about my space dad. Right. But instead he played it like, huh? What's going on? Because he's freaks. I mean, he and most freak. of the things he says sound like, huh? What's going on? <laughs> Note to self, the Egyptians were the Cardassians of their time. I say this because I assume the Egyptians had cool as hell floor to ceiling doors like these Cardis do. Oh, probably. Those doors go all the way to the top. Well, how do they do it at the Cheesecake Factory? Because <laughs> Fry's Electronics isn't around anymore, so I can't go look there, but, you know. Is that what you... Does the Cheesecake Factory have the cool uh, floor-to-ceiling doors as well? No, I mean, like, their decor is... Oh, okay. You know, it's Egyptian or Hittite or something. Something like that. That's right. Okay, I get it. <clears throat> Anyway, I couldn't stop thinking, looking at those doors and thinking about those doors. They were great. Uh, why doesn't Picard make fun of this guy's postdoc's ponytail? <laughs> it seems so easy to nail him with that one. It's just there, right in front of him the whole time. He's got a real fucking... Uh, oh, what was the name of the Talarian guy? You know, the beefy guy. You talking about Endor? Endar. He got a real Endar thing going on, except it's not a rat tail. It's a big old ponytail. <laughs> David Warner. What? What happened with that? I mean, David Warner didn't make that wig. I mean, who did that? What is this? Man, Pat Stu could fucking taste that Emmy, man. Yum, oh, yeah. Yum, 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 yum. Give it to me, he said. Bring the camera oh. in closer while I wail and chante en francaise. Yeah. Get my fucking nose hairs in the shot, man. 
<laughs> Show my butt. Put he my wanted, butt yeah, on there. naked butt. He fucking went for it. And then uh, I think they just probably submitted a different episode or something <laughs> for consideration. <laughs> they were like, "Hey, next week we got that guy back playing Moriarty. Let's submit that Let's one." Submit the shipping butt. <laughs> um. By the way, I didn't buy David Warner's assertion uh, that he had many more remote controls. His voice sounded slightly desperate when he cop a card smashing that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. He had to play it super cool. He's like, don't worry about that. Uh, You're just wasting your time. I got so many of those. Please stop smashing it. Please stop smashing it. Then in the meantime, um, let's switch. For no reason, let's switch methods. And now I've got this. (laughs) It looks a little bit like a tennis racket, but it's an electric fly swatter. Anyway, there's a 9-volt battery in there. I want to zap you so many fucking times. I'm going to get you right on the kneecap. It's hard to get you in sensitive places because of the shape of this one. So kneecaps, elbows. Anything uh, that protrudes. Really. Top of your head, probably, I can get. How do you like that? That hurts the top of your head, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, what about you? Quick ones? Yeah, they expected Picard and company to take out a metagenic weapon and make it to a rendezvous point in Federation space in 22 hours. Mm. Also... Yeah. It's somewhere a shuttle can reach in eight hours from where the Enterprise is, but the Cardassians can't intercept that shuttle or anything. Oh, well, I guess that's not what matters about this episode. No, from the moment. Again, that's why we called last week the busted first part that set up the better second part. Because the first part of this episode makes no fucking sense. Why they are on that mission, what the mission is, how it works, none of that is anything. Uh, at no point in this episode is Picard going to tell Gul Madred that he's read 1984 too. <laughs> it's just like, we just read it last year for book club. It is <laughs> remarkable how much is stolen from it for this. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't have Gul Madred say something about your own 1984 acknowledged. Yeah, exactly. The superiority of my position or something. Uh, this dude, Jellico, is wrong-footed from the moment he sets foot in this room. Riker's got one of his power shirts on and he's pretending to read a book. He definitely knew this was coming. <laughs> he did look so posed. Yeah. Someone fucking gave him the fucking call. They're like, hey man, he's coming your way. I just saw him get on the turbo lift. He's heading right for you. And he's like rushed over there and sat down and picked up that book all upside down and shit. <laughs> he was just turning the pages backward, but it wasn't in like Korean or Japanese or nothing. Nah. He wouldn't even bother pretending with that. It, w- it appeared to have, like, pictures of Roman statues in it. Imagine how embarrassing it would be if Jellicle came in and he was like, Ah, oh, you read Japanese. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'd be like, yes, it says here, Hachidan Kiritsu. <laughs> hey, we're not making 500 mines for this shuttle scene, right? Hell no, man. Put, like, eight of those transporter diagnostic <laughs> tubes back there. <laughs> those are mines now. <laughs> They're very versatile. They're like clompings. Uh Jellico seems to have reinstated Riker before Picard returns. Uh, Data's back in Ops Gold, for instance. Was it because of the successful shuttle mission, or is he just trying to play nice with Picard now that he survived his mission? <laughs> it's like that guy who was definitely going to die, and I kept telling him he was going to die. He didn't die? Ah, fuck. Ah, shit. I'm going to have to give All the right, shit back, I, gotta play, I? I guess I got to play nice. Everybody's got to eat a certain amount of shit in their I life. I mean... I prefer guys who don't get captured, but I guess. 
I'm going to have to play nice because he's a big hero now. He'd probably, he's the Trump type, right? He'd say that. He'd prefer the guys who don't get captured. Probably. Yeah. Doesn't want any uh, disabled people at his thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, I give best actor to Picard and worst actor. For, for worst actor, I just wrote, did Worf even have a line? I saw him in Sickbay, but I am not sure he said anything. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know how he's taken Picard being captured. He didn't like it we when he was a Borg. We guess not great, but like... Yeah. <laughs> Based on the fact that when he became a Borg, he was basically in tears. Yeah. When he said he only had to say he is a Borg, mm-hmm. that was tough for him. His dad. It was tougher than reporting that that thing was changing color. His dad is not quite as tough as Riker. The toughest of all humans. Yeah. Um. All right. Fuck yeah. In and out in hell two yeah. hours this hell week. Hell yes. Hell That's fucking what happens hell when yes. We don't particularly want to talk about what happens to the little ship. <laughs> I mean, I definitely didn't. I was writing the I was writing the description and I was like, then the little ship flew around and did this. And I was like, I'm fucking done with this. <laughs> you didn't even mention Worf's cool fake poem. This is the yeah, story that's part of the, of the little TOS ship that took a little trip. The TOS shit in the end where he pretends he wrote a poem and Dax thinks it's hilarious and laughs so hard. God. This is the story of a little ship that took a little trip. Um. So the scores are in. Oh, how did how did we do? Did you and I win? Oh, uh, we won. We are the winners because now we don't have to talk about week one hundred thirty six anymore. All right. I mean, it seems weird said, that we we're the winners, it. even though we just talked about it for two hours. But all right, got, I'm into we it. Got thirty. Got thirty of them damn voyagers. God damn it. No. Thirty two. We got thirty two. I don't know. Plenty. There are two fucking Voyagers left. And, yeah. uh, you know, five more Deep Space Nines and then three more uh, TNGs after that. Yep. <clears throat> uh, with 18 points, Voyager finishes last place. I mean, Big that's shock. better than they scored last week. Yeah, that's about their number these days. Yeah. They rarely score more than 18. Uh, Deep Space Nine put in only 25 points. This is the one that we were the furthest apart on. I had it as a 15 and you had it as a 10. That's not even With that far, one really. little ship. And um, the winner this week with 40 points. As you Yay! said, the first 40-point score since the first duty. That's 18 episodes ago. That's, that's plenty, man. That's 54 that's episodes. Yeah, exactly. Three quarters of a season, something like that. Yeah. Was Chain of Command Part 2. That is TNG's 57th win. They're back up to nine wins over yeah. Deep Space Nine. DS9's kind of beefing it, man. We didn't even say 25, not a good score, but better than they scored last week or the week before. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah, they have not had a good run since the end of the arc, really. Waltz scored a lot of points in there for them. Waltz was a 37, but yeah. since since the end of the war arc, since you were cordially invited, they've been on a real, a real low point here. I mean, now I'm six. just looking back. The last time DS9 scored 40 was... Oh my god. Hey man, it's been a while. I'm still going back. Uh week eighty four, return to grace. I don't even remember what that is. Hey, me either. That's that's how long it's been since they had a forty point episode. So even when they were doing better than some of these other shows, they weren't doing that good. Hold on. Dang. That's so far. Return to Grace. Uh, oh, it's not week 84. This is Goldicott. Oh, yeah, it is. Kira and, and Goldicott chased the Klingon bird of prey that destroyed a Cardassian uh, outpost. 
I liked that more than you. I gave it 25. You gave it 18. Yeah. But they had scored 40 the week before, so they were on kind of a good run then. Yep. Anyway. Well, <clears throat> next week, man, I don't know what to predict. It's fucking anybody's guess. <laughs> so, TNG, ship in a bottle. The return of Hollow Moriarty. And it's a Barkley episode and in a way. it's a Barkley episode. I mean, it's not really about him, but he's in it. Yeah, so it's... um. I don't know, man. Maybe yeah, they'll say something big about how we treat people or whatever, but yeah. I suspect this one's Maybe it'll be just a be a big rock. shrug. Maybe we're all in a simulation. Something like that. Who knows? The Deep Space Nine, Honor Among Thieves. I think mm. O'Brien has to infiltrate the Orion no. Syndicate. Oh, that's not a good one. I remember that. That doesn't oh, feel man. like it's going to score real big. <sighs> I don't know what happens in the Voyager episode Child's Play. I don't know anything no, about it. I'm worried that. that it's got them Borg buddies in it again. Yeah, it sounds bad, though. It does, next week sounds like a bad week. Everybody, just, just skip next week. Just tune in <laughs> in 138. You can get, listen to us talk about Aquiel. Just tune in Just tune in to the top of the episode to hear about what's going on in That's Gaza. Right. And also about uh, if any celebrities died and I found out about it because I saw their bush. Yep. That's how I found out about... Um... Please. I couldn't couldn't think of a funny one. Um, who just fucking say, beefed um, it recently? Who died pretty recently? Who uh, the Margaritaville? Just say it's Jimmy Buffett. That's about Jimmy, Buffett. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, exactly. So his bush was everywhere that yeah. day. Okay. <clears throat> well, as you believe, so shall you do. So shall you do as you believe. As you believe so, so shall you do. They take I didn't my realize blood. you had to order it like a fucking Jamba Juice. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. And I get all kinds of fucking boosts and shit. And um, yeah. they ask me for the boost, and that means I just eat a ton of Excedrin before I go in. <laughs> um, <laughs> Resubscribe.